happy 2023, everybody. Welcome to, uh, I can't call it the Tuesday show anymore. I can't call it the not Tuesday show anymore. I've officially renamed the show to It Was Tuesday. And uh, for, of course, obviously, for everybody out there, they know the reference. They know the Street Fighter, the movie, M. Bison reference out there. But it also makes sense as well because this show used to be the Tuesday show, right? It was the Tuesday show, and it is no longer the Tuesday show. So it all makes sense to call this officially now. It was Tuesday and now we have finally official name. I wanted to do a lot more in terms of just uh, uh, like more assets and stuff and maybe, you know, change colors or whatever like that. But you know what? It's it's all good. This is what we get here right now. You're going to have to deal with this. So <laughs> that's just how it is right now. So, uh, God, I wish I had a trophy here so I could like hold up a trophy and just be like, woohoo. Uh, I mean, maybe Optimus Prime can count as my trophy over here. Yeah, there you go. Here's my here's my 2023 uh, Ultra Chen TV Awards trophy here. But welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen, for the annual 2022... 2020, I know it's 2023, but this is for everything that happened in 2022, the Ultra Chen TV Awards that we have run every single year. And uh, of course, uh, obviously, since I am by myself, you are just going to have to um, listen to me. <laughs> And listen to my awards and mine alone. <laughs> so here we go. Let us go ahead and get started here with the Ultra Chen TV Best of 2022 Awards. And uh, we are going in a different order this year. We're kind of just jumping around from category to category here. But I wanted to start off with something at least, you know, uh, pretty uh, significant here. So we're going to start off with uh, the story of the year. And don't mind me, especially for those of you guys listening to this as a podcast. I will be typing these things in as we go. Uh so that way the people at home can see it, but then uh, you're going to hear me typing every once in a while. So here we go. Let's start with the number three. So I'm going to do my top three for every one of these categories that you see here over here on your left. And the first category of the day is story of the year. And for number three... I have listed as all rollback does is win, win, win. Last year, one of my top three stories of the year was rollback is winning. And uh, this year, I think we have probably cemented ourselves as this is the only way it goes. And not only that, but the biggest news for a lot of fighting games this year is the actual retrofitting of rollback into old games that some of which were actually even said to potentially never get rollback. So not only are we getting high quality rollback in all of our new fighting games such as Strive and DNF Duel in Street Fighter 6 Beta is really, really nice. Uh, True Flashy Flash does say that Melty Blood rollback is still a little bit faulty. It is rollback, 
but it still needs some updating. But to have a game like Dragon Ball Fighters get announced to have rollback netcode when they had previously said it was too difficult to get rollback netcode into the game, when they had previously kind of hinted at it's just not going to happen. At EVO 2022 this past year, the the, the producer, uh, I forget her name, but she was you know talking in Japanese with the translator, but it didn't matter. She was speaking in Japanese and the whole audience was there. And as soon as she said the word, rollback, roll and uh, as soon as those words came out of her mouth, everybody who didn't even understand Japanese just instantly started cheering and the audience exploded because I think they knew exactly what that meant. And rollback is coming to Dragon Ball Fighters. And I swear to God that I thought the room was going to explode with all of the, uh, you know, uh, spirit bomb energy over there from all of the fans of Dragon Ball Fighters. But to have Arxis go and retrofit rollback netcode into a game that's already half a decade old now. I mean, yeah, it's it's five years old now. If I'm not like four years, five years now that Dragon Ball Fighters has been around. And to have them actually do that is amazing. And, you know, we had uh, DNF Duel and KOF 15 come out with good rollback netcode as well. Uh, not only that, but then Arxis also announced that they're retrofitting rollback into Exerd. Exerd? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, that's true. That was announced. Uh, wait, didn't they say at one point that there would be no more updates? But now all of a sudden, I, I don't remember exactly how that went. But yeah, Exert is getting rollback. Arxis is going on the uh, rollback for that, right? That has been announced. And yeah, true that there's a little bit of uh, radio silence. Samurai Showdown got announced that rollback is getting retrofitted into the game. I mean... Rollback is here to stay, and this is what we have now, and this is the standard for fighting game community now, and this is what we expect from all our games now. It is not even a point right now where we should expect anything else. Rollback is the standard. It should be exactly what's included in every fighting game, and if you don't put rollback in your fighting game, you have messed up real, 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 real bad. <laughs> real bad. So, uh, again, this is amazing. I'll talk a little bit more about the, the, the Exert thing later on and the ramifications of that but it's just it's it's wonderful to see and you know if there has to be any silver lining to the pandemic that's what it is right there that's the silver lining right there is that it has really shown how much rollback is a necessity and then strive came out and really showed the world what good rollback netcode is all about right again street fighter 5 in my opinion did irreparable damage to the reputation of rollback netcode because it was so faulty at first uh, still has a lot of problems with it right now, although significantly better than it was when it first started. But when Strive came out, everybody, I mean, even the Japanese players with amazing internet infrastructure were like, is this what rollback is supposed to be about? 
you know, and uh, it's just, it's great to see that this is now the standard. Rollback is here. Rollback is here to stay. And, uh, you know, obviously, shout outs to all the community. Obviously, we have to, uh, you know, acknowledge Max and Sejam's contributions to really the mainstream push of rollback. And, uh, I, you know, we've won. <laughs> Like, I feel like we won. <laughs> Rollback is here. And honestly, to be to be 100% truthful, and I'm not trying to set up anybody for disappointment, but I know that there's like some Grand Blue event coming up pretty soon. And God, if they announced that GBVS is getting Rollback retrofit into the game, I actually would not be surprised. That's where we're at these this this time, right? Like normally I would be like, no, don't, no, no, there's no way. But like now, like I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, yeah, we're putting it in there because Arxis is getting good at this, right? And have they teased something big, Exilion? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any news about that. But again, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up because if they come out and they don't announce it, everyone's going to be like, James, you said that they were getting rollback. And I'd be like, I never said anything. <laughs> but yes, uh, I am really, really excited. And we are in a golden era of online fighting games, man. I got to tell you. Now, of course, rollback doesn't solve every problem. You can't fix the distance. There's just no way to do that without faster infrastructure. But rollback has allowed for so much. And for those who aren't aware, like you look at a game like Guilty Gear Strive, where the best players in North America can play each other across the country, you know, from state to state. And look how good that's turned our players here. This is the benefit of rollback netcode is to have actual high offline quality play uh, on an online environment that you can practice. One of the reasons why Japan has been stronger than the U.S. in so many fighting games is they had the arcade environment. They had proximity to each other to be able to play a little bit more often. Their online was really good so they could practice. And now you look at Strive and with uh, America being able to practice with each other across the country and such, America is as good as, if not better than Japan at Strive right now. I mean, Umi Show won EVO. Now, granted, there weren't a lot of Japanese players that made it out to EVO this year. It was definitely low on uh, foreign players coming out for EVO as it was the re pandemic recovery year. But again, it, 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 it's not... It's not wild claim to say that U.S. is equal to, if not better than Japan right now. That is not a wild statement to say. And that has a lot to do with rollback netcode, honestly. So, um, uh, so according to Mike Lee's story here, the director of the game loves the game for Grand Blue. It's his actual baby and he's made lots of comments about he knows what the populace want and he's trying. Okay, <laughs> again, let's not get everybody's hopes up, okay? So, uh, but that is my number three story of the year because uh, I think, uh, again, it's just, it's, it, it, we are in a golden age of online. This, I mean, rollback netcode was invented by Tom and Tony Cannon like over a decade ago, two decades ago at this point. And the fact that we're finally getting it into 
all of our mainstream games. It's about damn time, but you know what? Better late than never. So uh, online fighting games is the way to go. Honestly, honestly, the, the, the online fighting games is a legit platform, a legit way to learn. And also, um, if you look at it like, uh, you know, this is just like the arcade to console transition. Everyone's like, console players aren't real. You know, it's all about arcade, arcade. You're just a console player. But now uh, that argument transcended to offline versus online. And frankly... Look, man, online is online is just as legit as offline at this point in time. And in fact, it might be even more legit thanks to number two story of the year. <laughs> number two story of the year, input lag slash PC versus consoles. Now, obviously, uh, Arturo Sanchez is a name that has to be mentioned here, and we'll talk about more about him later on with the Macharino stuff. But outside of that, the push that Art has had towards the input lag and everything like that was such a big story this year, largely because of Arturo, because he wouldn't stop talking about it ever, <laughs> as most people who follow him on Twitter, we're perfectly aware of. However, the the story behind what Arturo was talking about is something that can't be ignored. This is something that needs to be fixed. And when I say this needs to be fixed, I don't necessarily mean we need to do... I'm saying, consoles, get your shit together, Okay. Get your shit together at this point in time because the consoles need to have equity in the input lag. So Arturo obviously found out that and it's been proven, although obviously logically it just makes no sense to most people why this is the case, but higher refresh rate does make you be able to react to things a little bit faster. Now, most people are like, game runs at 60 frames per second. That doesn't make any sense. How how does that, how does, like, if it runs at 60 frames per second, how do you actually get stuff to appear on the screen and react faster? That doesn't make any sense. And the best way to explain it is that the games do not have control over what's on the screen at the time, right? It tells the computer what to render on the screen, and the computer will render it onto the screen whenever it can. The higher the refresh rate, the more likely you will get it a little bit earlier. Now, that's like milliseconds. And people are like, does that really make a difference? I don't know. For me, I don't know if it makes a difference for me. But for some people out there, it apparently makes a big difference for a lot of people. My reaction's bad already. But, you know, uh, for a lot of people out there, it does make a difference. And that's what is uh, powerful about that. Also, overclocking the controllers. If you guys don't know about how that works, uh, the way that controllers work is that when you press buttons on your controller, you are not sending inputs to the, P to the PC or to the hardware. You are not sending any information. What your hardware actually does is pull your controller. It actually goes to the controller and reads what is being held down at that time. And so it'll check the controller and be like, oh, left is being held. A button is being held. Okay. And then it keeps pulling. Well, 
average, uh, oh, what was the average? Someone told me the average a while ago, but basically uh, it pulls a certain amount of times but there is software that you can install on your PCs that increases the polling rate of your controller so that it actually checks more often. And again, milliseconds, but it's enough to actually affect some people with good reactions that if you happen to hit the button at the very start of a polling cycle, it's not gonna find out you've pressed the buttons until the end of the polling cycle. So the faster you actually make the polling cycles, the sooner your inputs are detected and get registered uh, by, the, by the game. Is, is it not bannable? It doesn't get flagged? No. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it because it's all P the game doesn't care the, the the PC is telling the game what's being held with their controller interface. And so the game can only find out the information that the PC gives it. And so these kind of storylines are very important because it has improved what a lot of people have done. Now, the question is, should we do it this way? Because, you know, we've had the storyline with Dragon Ball Fighters that the developers were like, Goichi reacts to everything. You can't open them up. It actually changes what they think we are supposed to do in terms of reaction timing. When I did play art on the higher refresh monitor, higher polling rate, on a PC at Combo Breaker that he demoed for me, I could not shimmy him, I could not throw him. He could react to my throws every single time. So the questions now are, do we want reaction time better than this? Is this something that we wanna force on people? Is this, et cetera, et cetera. But the main thing is we need equity on consoles. We need equity on consoles. Because consoles have terrible input lag right now. And they do not give us the op uh, option to change the refresh rate at all. They do not give us the option to change the refresh rate. And we do not have the options to change the polling rate. Because this noise has gotten so big and because EVO is run now by Sony, uh, I think this is really important. Sony's probably has to take note of this and be like, you know what? We need to do something about this. We need to change something. We need to uh, improve the polling rate. And so that's what we, I, I think this is the, this is why this is important. We are optimizing our gameplay, but again, I have PCs versus consoles down here. That's a part of the conversation. And now people are like PC master race, but that's not what it's about. Fighting games have always been very valuable in that they're accessible to everyone, whether you are playing on console or PC, and it has always been an equitable experience. For the first time, we are heading into a point where now the PC players have a distinct advantage, and in fact, makes it so that some of these players prefer to play in online tournaments, because then they can play on their PC with their optimized hardware, and et cetera, et cetera, and so they can actually play better than when they play offline, because they feel like they're laggier offline. This cannot be the case. Offline, online, PC, console, all has to be an equitable experience in order to remain true to what the fighting game community is all about. And so we have to make sure that consoles get the same kind of quality life changes that the PC can get so that offline, online, PC, console are all the same experience. This is, for me, the main goal of this story. This is the goal. 
We have to make everything so it is equal on every platform because that's what fighting games has always been about. You buy a console, you buy a game, you can play the game, and that's it. You have no disadvantages, right? That is the important part of this. Now, uh, like I said, the second layer is, should we have this reaction time? Does that change the way that fighting games are played, and do devs have to reconsider the reaction timing? So, for example, in Street Fighter V, you know, one-hit buffers were, you know, 17-frame windows, dashes were 17 frames, because that was kind of their window of reactability was that 17 frame window and so now the question comes down to do we have to lower that if reaction improves etc etc we'll see maybe fighting games are actually going to have to program themselves to have their own clocking mechanism to make sure everybody plays equitably but then that means it they they're purposely slowing it down for everyone i don't know what the answer is i don't know what the answer is but this is a great conversation, regardless of whether you found, you know, Arturo talking about it all the time frustrating or, you know, if you hate PCs or you hate consoles, whatever. This is a very, very important conversation to have because of the new environments that we're playing. Before, when it was purely arcade, we matched arcade. Arcade is not the standard anymore, right? PC is becoming the standard. And if PC is becoming the standard, that's the standard that every platform has to live up to. So that's the idea right there. And uh, so that's what number two was. Uh, the number one story of the year uh, is, uh, is a selfish one. <laughs> this one is less... FGC related, less big news like rollback and lag and stuff. This one is a personal story for mine. And uh, number one story of the year is I'm in Street Fighter 6 as a commentator. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Like, I've been sitting on this obviously for over a year. It was announced at Evo this year that I am going to be one of the commentators in Street Fighter 6. But, I mean, I gotta tell you, man, like, the amount of my life that I have dedicated to this franchise, the fighting games, to the love that I have for this franchise, to say that. I am actually going to be officially in the game. Like, I am now canon in the Street Fighter franchise forever. Like I said, before they officially announced it, I kept thinking they were going to come up to me and like, just kidding, and that's it. Uh, and that would be the end of it. But it's happening, and I've played <laughs> with my own voice in the game, and it is... I, I can't believe it. Like, I can't even explain to you guys. Like, seriously, when they first asked me to do it and they and we kind of agreed that I was going to do that, I was just like, like, I can't be mad about anything anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no right to be angry about anything anymore. Now, obviously, that's not how depression works. So, you know, I, it's it's still tough, but at the same time, it's like, 
to know that this much work that I have put into this game and this much love, and this is genuine love too, right? This is not a chase for fame. This is not a chase for money. This is a chase to spread the gospel of fighting games to everybody because that's how much I love fighting games and how much I think everybody should be playing. And uh, to be asked and put into Street Fighter Six is like, I, I can't even express it. Like, it's, it's unreal. It is absolutely unreal. And I am so honored to be uh, in this position here. I, I am so honored to be put into this position and to have this opportunity. And again, if they ever want to bring me back in to record new lines for new seasons and stuff like that, let's hope so because it was a wonderful experience and I would love to keep going with it and do more. So again, it's just uh, awesome. And uh, yeah, very, very happy. Is that a, is that a Young Frankenstein reference? Uh, A.B. Norman? Is that Abby Norman? <laughs> Abby Normal? <laughs> but yeah, um, I am uh, over the moon with it. And I, like I said, I could gush about this for a while, but just understand that this is so meaningful to me and just absolutely one of the most wonderful things. Like, that cemented it that, you know, have I ever regretted my decision to leave my programming job? Well, not try to find a new programming job and try to go full esports and kind of live the starving artist life. Part of me is like, yeah, I, it'd be nice to be more financially secure and stuff, but, you know, through all this efforts and through all this work getting into Street Fighter Six. There's no regrets at all, man. There's just no regrets at this point. So I am very, very happy. I am very, very, very happy. So uh, last year, I know we did this. Uh, we put worst of the year category really, really early on because it sucks to talk about the bad stuff. <laughs> Uh, at the end, we used to do it at the end. So I just want to get the worst of the year out of the way first. And then we could do a lot about the, the, the happier stuff. Um, and, uh, basically, uh, just celebrate things more so than talking about the worst of the year over here. Yeah, exactly. Pull the bandaid off basically. And obviously, I mean, I don't think that this is a question that this is one of the worst things that I have to put on this show. Uh, so my number three worst of the year is, you know, obviously the end of the Ultra Chen TV trio, right? Um, uh, this last year, David and I, at least David and I had been doing this for, what is it, 11 years now? This is what, our 12th year? This is the start of the 12th year, the 13th year? of doing the Ultra Chen TV Twitch channel. And, you know, David and I had been doing this forever, <laughs> basically. And, um, you know, to have it end is really, really, really sad. You know, uh, very, very depressing. And so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I sad that it had to go. But at this point in time, you know, we're going to... Uh, I'm going to try to keep trucking forward here. Obviously, for those of you who didn't see it or are unaware or just missed it somehow, David got a full-time job as the lawyer for Tenno. 
who does a lot of the streaming productions, runs like Tekken World Tour, streams Evo and stuff. And so Tuesday show became kind of a conflict of interest kind of situation. And, uh, you know, he's kind of wants to move on from the content creation side of things, which I don't blame him because content creation is hard. <laughs> I was about to say it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful doing it, but it's hard. It's a lot of work. And then, of course, Tubo just kind of took, just basically uh, wanted to go all in on Rumbleverse and kind of, you know, move slowly away from the fighting games because it's just been, it's been a, an, an up and down roller coaster for him. So, uh, but again, uh, I'm still here. I'm really sad that things have changed like this and that I'm doing this by myself here. Uh, but I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope I've been at least uh, meeting your expectations of a quality show, quality podcast here. So uh, that's what we're doing here. So, <laughs> um, uh, Let's see here. Number two... Uh, uh, number two, uh, I, it's kind of like a tie between two things and, uh, I have it as drama, which of course is the Arturo and Macherino situation and the Panda Cup and the Smash situation. I know it's unfair to put them both in one category, but they kind of cover up, uh, it kind of covers very similar topics over here, right? Um, no new co-host for the foreseeable future, uh, unless I can find somebody, Planet Chaser, that is, uh, you know, willing to do this for basically free, <laughs> for for no benefit, for no financial benefits, doing it for fun, and has the same kind of energy and same kind of overall roundedness love for all fighting games, uh, Planet Chaser. But uh, number two, worst of the year, obviously this drama stuff that has been happening. So obviously the Arturo Macherino situation going on is just really, really a bummer there. You know, right now Macherino, they put out a statement that claimed that Arturo had been basically stealing money from pots from Macherino and such. Arturo has gone on record that, you know, he is trying to defend himself and that this is not the actual case. And, you know, he ran that stream, which he deleted the VOD to, which doesn't look good. But um, he, uh, right now, things aren't looking good for Arturo right now. And it's frustrating to me, to say the least, because uh, Arturo is a good friend of mine, right? Like, and he is somebody that I have gone to war with many, many times. He's old school. He's a great historian. He has all this information. He's been pushing for all this input lag stuff. He's got a lot of knowledge and stuff. He is a valuable member of the FGC. And if this has actually been happening, it is a very frustrating situation because like myself, Arturo, and this is the, the hard part for me is that I know Arturo just wants what's best for the community. He's always been pushing for that. He's always trying to improve the stream quality and do all the stuff and the input lag improvements and running the old school games. I mean, like he runs Soul Calibur tournaments and KOF tournaments and all this stuff. And, you know, that's not for money. Like, you know, like you can't be 
if you were only interested in money, you wouldn't be running a lot of those classic games and doing a lot of those tournaments. So this whole thing is very baffling to me and very, very, uh, very kind of uh, shocking to me. And in fact, you know, I, I, I would love to be able to have a conversation with Arturo personally and talk to him about it a little bit more because I feel like I know him. And, you know, like, I, I just can't fathom this, right? Unless, unless he owes money to the mob or something like that. That's the only reason why I can see him doing something like this. Like, you know, seriously, like the Godfather is after him or something like that. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. And I know it's, you know, unfair. A lot of people out there are like, really, James? You're stupid. Look at the evidence here. There's so much evidence. And yeah, the evidence is overwhelming right now. And, and it definitely looks like Arturo has been stealing money. And I, 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 I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I I'm I don't like this at all. And I and I and I would like to be proven wrong in this situation, you know? Uh honestly, I want to be proven wrong. I want to find out it's a misunderstanding because like I said, Arturo is old school, man. I first first solo Tuesday show I ever did was the interview with Arturo. You know, that's why I brought him on because I wanted to have old school conversations and discussions. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's brutal. And so, you know, this is an ongoing story. And so is the Panda Cup smash thing. I had no idea this was happening, but apparently yesterday they had a Twitter space conversation with uh, uh, Alan Bune, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Alan, uh, who used to be the CEO of Panda, talking and trying to answer questions and clear up more stuff. So this drama is ongoing as well, but obviously the Panda Cup smash thing, which I did a whole episode on, uh, also a very frustrating situation. Now, you know, the, the claims were that, you know, uh, Panda was strong-arming events to join the Smash World Tour, and eventually the Smash Cup had to be canceled, the one that's run by the VG Boot Camp, and, uh, you know, all this, all this drama here, and again, I'm not part of the Smash scene, so I don't want to go into too much detail about it, because I don't want to misrepresent what's been going on in that scene too much, uh, but again... You know, that drama right there is really frustrating, really, really frustrating. And uh, again, it's like two steps forward, five steps back for the Melee community. And it just feels like this happens to them all the damn time. And it's really, really frustrating to see. I mean, it seemed like Smash was getting to a point where they would have this official Nintendo circuit and that maybe Nintendo would start putting money into things and they would get the support that they finally, finally deserved. And then it all just came crashing down in just like literally a month ago, right? Like little over a month ago, a month and a half ago. And that's a very frustrating situation. And, you know, I hope there's some resolution to this. And I hope, and again, you know, someone mentioned the Them's Fighting Words post by King Hippo about Arturo's situation. He had a really good post about the Smash situation as well. Very, very, uh, you know, uh, logical post. And uh, a lot, <laughs> Melee scene is an abusive relationship with Nintendo, says Scar. Huh? Absolutely. But, you know, again, Arturo, uh, Panda, VGBC, uh, Gimmer, all these guys are probably trying to do what they thought 
was best for the scene and a lot of it just kind of comes out the wrong way. Now, obviously, if Arturo's skimming money, that's not doing what's best for the scene, obviously. Uh, so I can't really include that in there. But even from Dr. Allen's perspective and from, you know, Gimmer and everybody in the Smash scene, I'm sure everybody was trying to do something great. And like them's fighting words, uh, like King Hippo mentioned, if you're someone like Alan, Dr. Allen and you feel like I've made this breakthrough, this great thing is happening, and then all of a sudden it's not working out or there's all these things getting in your way, panic ensues and stuff happens and you say things and things get misinterpreted and you know there's a lot of people out there a lot of personalities out there and a lot of personalities will butt heads right and i've always said this before but true maturity comes from understanding that nobody thinks the way that you think and understanding how to deal with every other human being in the world right if you are not an introvert and someone else is an introvert you don't force them to become an extrovert you understand they're an introvert and you deal with that as long as you can deal with other people that is maturity that is the road to success unfortunately uh esports is a very very youthful and very young and very inexperienced field and so a lot of people out there do not have the business training for this we do not have the knowledge for this we do not have the diplomacy for this and so a lot of personalities are going to butt heads and a lot of problems are going to happen which is what i suspect happened in this situation uh with the smash and the and panda cup and the uh and and the vgbc the vg boot camp group and such and the and beyond the summit etc etc it'd be nice if we can all get together and work it out and hash it out and stuff i don't i don't know if we're beyond that point because i know dr allen is already trying to divest from panda etc etc and it's rough it's rough so we'll see what happens keep an eye on this story uh but the number one worst thing of the year here uh I'm just going to say it. The number one worst thing of the year has been this year. And uh, this has been an absolutely... Like, getting a little serious here, this has been an absolutely brutal year for me. And uh, these past three months have been particularly stressful. For those of you who have watched Synchronize, you you, you have a little bit of uh, uh, information on that. But uh, for those of you who haven't watched Synchronize, I'll get into that a little bit. But uh, my mental state has been at its most vulnerable, I'll say, in 2022. This year has been, I mean, it's just been multiple years of the pandemic. And, you know, uh, I've pretty much determined that I have ADHD. I might not have had ADHD my whole life. It might be something that's new. But whatever the case is, this year, I think it's the worst that it's ever been if I've ever had it before. Because, oh God, like, I can't even explain to you. This year has just been, like, constant failure. Kind of for me in a lot of ways. You know, despite being in Street Fighter VI and having that be such a wonderful thing. But I've my brain has just not been working. My brain has been so scattered this year. I've missed so many events this year 
Like, I didn't go to Frosty Faustings because of the pandemic resurging at that time. I missed Texas Showdown for the first time in a bunch of years because I just completely forgot to apply for commentary. I just missed the deadline. And I was like, whoops, because I just put it off and I procrastinated and ADHD my way into not making it to Texas Showdown. I actually couldn't get to CEO because I just, there was no circuit at CEO and I can't afford to go to, I can't go afford to go to events. It's the first CEO I've missed since like 2011. And that like hurts because like I really enjoy CEO. I think CEO is one of the best events every single year. And it makes me sad that I couldn't go to this CEO uh, this past year. And then uh, even in the last three months, I have been, I've missed emails. I have had so many opportunities come through my emails and I'm like, I'll get back to that. And then I forget. And then I miss a bunch of opportunities as well. Oh, trust me, Rama, I've already submitted my application. I've already submitted my application. Sir, sir, Chris, I have done that. So you can check that out. <laughs> but I've missed a lot of opportunities. In fact, I've even uh, been assigned to a couple of gigs that I just completely did not, I no-showed to a couple of online gigs this past couple of months. Because I've just been completely fogged out of my, my mind. And uh, like I said, these last three months have just been awful. So here's the thing. Here's the story, okay? The last three months have just been absolute disaster. I haven't talked about this publicly yet, except on Synchronize. So just to let you guys know what's going on. Oh, that's right. One of the other tournaments I missed was First Attack. I even had a fortune, I think, where is this one here? Uh, yeah, it's like, a well, what is it? Like, I had a fortune about, like, having a big, wonderful vacation coming up or something that I held on to because I was like, for sure, that's a reference to me going to uh, First Attack and having a great time at First Attack. And uh, I was so excited for that. Uh, why do I have so many fortunes here? <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> what the heck? But like, I was so ready to go to first attack. In, I couldn't make it to first attack. If you guys remember, if you saw my Twitter, on the day that I was supposed to red-eye my way to Puerto Rico, I tweeted out that I can no longer make it to first attack. So, if anybody's wondering what's going on and why the past three months have been a disaster, literally on October 5th, the day that I was supposed to fly out to first attack at midnight, a city sewer pipe backed up and long story short, flooded my condo unit's underground parking structure with category three biohazardous waste and uh, unfortunately, the room that Olaf rents from me in my complex is underground off of the garage and his room got flooded with the sewage 
And so for the past three months, he has had to move out and he has not been living with me. So I have basically been losing rent for the past three months. I can't park in my garage. We had to call a water restoration company to clean everything, to take care of everything. And right now, I cannot afford to pay the water restoration company at all. Now, the city has said it is their fault and they will cover the costs, but it is a pure reimbursement thing. So the money has to be fronted from me first. I don't have the money to pay that. So now I'm going through our condo complex's insurance company. And so right now I am fighting with an insurance company, with a water restoration company, and with the city. For the past three months, I have been embroiled in people not returning my calls, the insurance company not wanting to cover the majority of the costs, and a water restoration company basically saying, I need the money, where's my money, where's my money, where's my money, kind of thing. And this is what I have been dealing with for the past three months. I have replaced the flooring, the entire flooring of the room that Olaf rented out. And even then, like I went to Home Depot and I'm like, here, I buy this flooring and I will pay for installation. And they lost my order and like, they said they would call me back to schedule shipping. I didn't hear from them for like two weeks and I called them and then I would be on the phone with them and then all of a sudden the phone would be like, oh, well, let me put you on hold. And then 10 minutes later, the phone call just disconnects and like all this has been happening. I finally got the floor installed. I'm this close to being able to get Olaf to move back into the room, but this has been weighing down on me for the past three months. And so if I have been despondent or if you have noticed that like I seem to be distracted or if I have just missed a bunch of stream days in the past three months, et cetera, et cetera, this is the reason why is because I have been literally stressed out beyond all belief and stressed out beyond all recognition these past three months, just trying to get everything. And like I said, missing gigs and not, you know, and I can't charge Olaf rent. That's stupid. He's not living with me anymore, right? So, I mean, he'll move back in once I get the room fixed. But needless to say, these past three months have been an even higher financial. Because the Home Depot stuff, I've had to pay out of pocket for that one. So I've had to pay a bunch of money for that. I, I've paid a little bit to the water restoration, but I owe them a ton more and the insurance doesn't want to cover most of it. So now I just have to pray that the city is willing to cover most of it. And it's just oh, been an absolute disaster and I just don't feel like dealing with it anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. And it's just... 2022 has just been an absolute nightmare for me. Now, I'll get to this in a little bit in my goals to try to make 2023 a better year for myself. But honestly, it's just been such a disaster. And so hopefully, hopefully, you know, like I said, one more thing that I got to fix in that room because the water restoration company, when they 
They basically, if you guys don't know, they have to cut off the bottom half of every wall in the room because this is toxic waste, right? This is biohazardous waste. They have to literally cut the wall, remove all the insulation, replace all the wood and anything that got soaked, and then re-drywall it up. And unfortunately, they accidentally sealed something into the wall that wasn't supposed to be sealed. <laughs> he was in the room, so uh, we just saw it slowly seeping in uh, and basically had to do what we can to rescue stuff. And needless to say, he's been pretty depressed about the whole entire situation as well. And yeah, so the whole thing has, oh God, it's a disaster. Hopefully the city, the insurance, whatever, but having to play the middleman between three different entities that all don't want to pay for anything has been an absolute nightmare. So we'll see what we can do. He rescued most of the stuff, but they definitely, him and Kitty definitely lost a couple of very, very precious things and had a few things that were slightly damaged uh, that they were able to rescue a large portion of, but still it's like, if anything gets touched by that toxic water, it's just like, yuck, right? I mean, honestly, it's just, it's, it's, what are you supposed to do in that situation? So, <sighs> so let's hope 2023 will be a better year. So let's get to the happy news. Let's get to the happy news, shall we? Uh, boy. Um, let's go to the next category here, which is going to be, uh, newcomer of the year. New, oh yeah, we did lose Benny. That's true. Yeah. Oh, the Mary shrine was okay. The Mary shrine is fine. So all of his Mary stuff is fine. Uh, it, the flooding didn't like get too high or anything like that. Why no fundraiser attempt? Uh, ask planet chaser because I don't know what's going to happen yet. If the city covers everything, we're good. If the city covers anything, everything, we're good. I don't want to raise money and then end up not having to use that money, right? And then also, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it, honestly. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, Fanta, Nubenheimer is a great... <laughs> choice for newcomer of the year unfortunately i don't have nubenheimer in there but he is uh, uh honorable mention he is very much honorable mention here so uh my number three newcomer of the year honestly is something that i don't even use enough of and i feel like most of us should be paying more attention to it which is reversal.gg the group that uh the eu has started up uh, I know it's a project, a personal project of Damascus and Logan and a bunch of guys out there. If you guys haven't heard of Reversal.gg, this is a YouTube channel and a Twitter, and they are trying to provide the weekly FGC coverage that our scene has desperately needed for so long. So every week. They recap a lot of the tournaments that went down and show footage and Logan narrates a lot of this stuff that's going on in the in the community and they have a whole YouTube channel out there. You know, they covered every single Street Fighter League, you know, so if you haven't had a chance to check out any of the Street Fighter League but want to know what actually happened uh, from there, uh, they have it all there. And interesting, okay, that might actually...
actually uh, be something that I'm not aware of, Gundam Jehudi Kai, who says it's all not all good stuff from my understanding. I, I, I'm not aware of that. And, you know, maybe that's something I have to learn. But, you know, it is coverage and not new stuff like trying to cover drama and things like that. Yeah, it's actual tournament results. Now, if there is some negative side to this, then <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to try to find out after the show. But from what I can tell, it seems like uh, it seems like a great resource. And I feel like a lot of people need to be using it a lot more. So maybe I'll try to gather more information from you after the show, Gundam Jehudi Kai, if you if you have some more uh, information or something like that, or if they have been causing drama on their own. And again, like I said, so many personalities in the FGC, and it's a tough thing to deal with. It's really a tough thing to deal with, right? It's, 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 uh, all of this stuff is hard, which is why when everyone says, why don't we just make a governing body for the fighting game community to take care? This is why, <laughs> because we are just not going this it's so hard to get so many different people of so many different scenes of so many different personalities to be able to work together and agree to a lot of things so anyways uh from my standpoint this is a service that i feel like should be used more often that people should be paying attention to a lot more like i said i haven't even been using it all that much uh, so, right, we have the FGC, the F Fighting Game Code of Conduct, and that kind of just dissipated at some point in time, so it's really difficult to do a lot of this. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to do. So, you know, uh, if there is drama going on, uh, that sucks, but uh, hopefully they can hash that out, like I said, and hopefully this continues to be a quality service uh, for the fighting game community. So if you haven't checked out reversal.gg, check out their Twitter, check out their YouTube. Again, uh, like I said, I haven't even watched enough of their videos. I've checked their videos don't have nearly enough views, their recaps and stuff like that. Um, and I think they deserve a lot more. So, uh, definitely check that out. Um, yeah, exactly. Who watches the Watchmen? It's basically the perfect analogy of it. Flashy flash. Uh, the second uh, newcomer of the year for me, kind of pseudo-related to this, is Street Fighter League Europe. Uh, I'm so happy about this. Uh, Street Fighter, Europe deserved their own Street Fighter League. Like, seriously. Like, I'm so happy they got their own league and, you know, they get to run it in their own unique way and they've had a chance to really show off a lot of the players over there. Uh, it's one of the things that when I saw announced, I was just so ecstatically thrilled about. You know, EU has so many good players. They have so much talent over there. The fact that they get this opportunity to really shine and show off their stuff, I think is so valuable and so important. And I'm so happy for the EU scene to be able to get this opportunity and to be able to showcase their talent. So, you know, now we have Street Fighter League Japan, Street Fighter League EU, and Street Fighter League America, NA, kind of the world, because they have a lot of people in 
fact, this th- that means that the NA one is the one that kind of gets the most screwed because, you know, we don't get to, we have players from all sorts of places coming in here, not reserved just for the NA competitors, but that's fine. We get plenty of shine as it is, so I'd rather support a lot of the uh, other places as well, such as getting players like Ajax Fidelity on there and being able to show off what he's capable of and Ding Chun Chu, for example, uh, having him show up and be able to show off his talents and stuff like that. I'm, I'm happy about that. So whatever we do to be able to get to showcase more talent from around the world, because we definitely get to see a lot of stuff from uh, the uh, U.S. scene a lot. So I like the fact that we get to see a lot more stuff around the world. So I'm really, really happy for Street Fighter League EU over here. And that should say number two right here. And so number one newcomer of the year, I mean, like I said, uh, uh, Nubenheimer would have been a very, very great pick, honestly. Uh, but in a very related way, I picked Umisho. Umisho is my uh, number one newcomer of the year. Uh, Yeah, exactly. What a shock, right? (laughs) Uh, Look, man, I had to reward one of the players. And to have this kid play their first fighting game coming from Overwatch League, I think, you know, she's she's just come out here, started winning all the online stuff, and then... Got second place at Combo Breaker, which was at that that time the record setter for Combo Breaker entrance for Guilty Gear Strive. And then taking Evo. Like, this is their first fighting game. (laughs) This is is their first year of fighting games. And, dude, the amount of success that Umisho has shown is just unprecedented. Like, I don't feel like that this is something that could happen. But again, going back to that rollback netcode stuff I was talking about, that is what we can get with rollback netcode, is you will, we will be able to find more of these players, these hidden gems all around the place. Now, obviously, Umi Show has actually lost in some events <laughs> since then, uh, hasn't been winning everything, but clearly, and, and this is great, because that just means Umi Show has pushed the entire scene stronger everybody has been studying how to fight happy chaos how to beat umi show obviously the new patch is out now so a lot of things will change but again you know happy chaos obviously a strong character but nobody had the success with happy chaos that umi show did like maybe lost soul lost soul was the closest one but even lost soul wasn't dominating the way umi show was right obviously happy chaos very strong character but if you've watched a lot of the matches with Umi Show in it, you know you cannot just write it off as top-tier BS. The decisions that Umi Show makes, the decisions that she makes, the, the clutch that she has, the execution, the, 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 the mind games that she plays are literally of the highest quality I've seen from all the top players from around the world. So honestly, I think uh shout outs to Umi Show. Shout outs to Umi Show. Um So yeah, so uh I would uh, that's my newcomer of the year. <laughs> 
Now, uh, I do see, uh, let's see, a few players who also really talk, took off this past year. Inzem and Joe Crush and Enders Walker is another great one. Uh, I can't believe I miss end, ender, ending Enders Walker. Yeah, that's a good one as well. You know, thank you for pointing all those out, Big for Lil. Uh, uh, but Jake Ryan is also saying that Zane did more than Inzem. So we've got Inzem, Zane, Ty, Joe Crush, Ender's Walker, Ender's Walker. A, a lot of good uh, honorable mentions out there. Uh, so honestly, Kuano's been really, really good for a while now. So it's he's been a he's not a newcomer. <laughs> Kuano's been around for quite some time. Unfortunately, I don't follow the DBF Zine as. Uh, as close enough so i haven't been able to say i mean churara i had as uh, uh as one of my favorite matches from last year so i don't know if we can call churara necessarily as a newcomer because he he was here in 2021 so <laughs> so um okay so that's my newcomers of the year so we're going to move on. Now, if you look at this, the next three categories are kind of blurry. There's FGC Member of the Year, Content Creator of the Year, Commentator of the Year. FGC Member of the Year is kind of like the uh, Canon Award, awarding somebody who does a lot for the fighting game community but just doesn't have a chance to get the rewards that they deserve for the amazing work that they do by winning tournaments, etc., etc. Uh, content creator is specifically people who are creating content. So that's that's kind of the difference right there. And then commentator obviously is a commentator. Uh, but for FGC member of the year, I kind of had a common theme here uh, that I decided to go through with this because these are the people, especially uh, in the pandemic era, who have really done the most work, in my opinion, to really keep the scene alive and keep going and everything like that. And so uh, one of the things that I haven't been able to do for a while, even though he's been doing this for a while, my number three FGC member of the year is Bum163, uh, who runs the House of Chaos. Uh, he has been running tournaments, online tournaments for Dragon Ball Fighters. Is like the lifeblood of Dragon Ball Fighters. He's also been running KOF tournaments. He's done, you know, uh, DNF dual tournaments in the past, etc. So uh, Bum163 has been doing a lot of great things for the community running these online tournaments. And, you know... Uh, we talked about Dragon Ball getting the rollback netcode. Well, I mean, Jake is in the chat. He can he can actually kind of corroborate this for me. But I feel like Bum is one of the reasons why Dragon Ball Fighters has had so much steam for so long. And uh, shout outs to Justin Wong for the raid of 300 viewers there. Welcome, everybody, from Jay Wong's chats. We are talking about the FGC member of the year. My number three pick was Bum163 because for so many years now, he has been running a lot of these online tournaments. Super happy that him, that he has all these subscribers and he's been finding success with it. And he's really made a name for himself running these online tournaments. And Jake Ryan does say Bum has definitely done a ton for the DBF zine, DBFZ scene. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's what he has done and the fact that he continues running these tournaments, I think is wonderful. And uh, like I said, there's going to be a theme here uh, to all these names that I have over here because number two 
And, you know, uh, I give this number two to him. Uh, you know, maybe Bum should have been number two over my number two here, but number two is, I mean, I'm going to be a little biased. Good friend of mine, someone that I admire greatly, and he's done a lot of work, and uh, he's been rewarded for it. And so what I'm going to say is Pat the Flip. <laughs> Pat the Flip, who runs all of the Guilty Gear stuff, uh, in NorCal and uh, on the West Coast here for Exerd and for Guilty Gear XX. And, you know, obviously honorable mentions to his wife, Irene, a.k.a. Coquette, as well. But the, the, the reason why I place him so high in this list is because this is how you support, quote, a dead game. Okay, and I, know, I, I use that term ironically because no fighting game is a dead game as long as people are playing it. And Pat the Flip is the exemplary, he is the paragon, he is the model for this now. He kept Exerd going alive. Exerd, which has awful netcode, which is now getting rollback netcode. And as soon as they made that announcement, I could hear Pat the Flip jump 60 feet into the air, okay? I'll tell you right there. And yeah, exactly. A fighter isn't dead if you can get two players. And so really, Pat the Flip is the blueprint to what you do to keep a scene alive. And now Arxis is rewarding them by giving them rollback into Exerd. And dude, I mean, he's gotten rollback in XX already. And I just, it's, it's so wonderful to see that kind of passion and that kind of dedication. Now, I wanted to stick Pat the Flip into content creator of the year because he also writes a bunch of wonderful articles. So you can check them out on his Patreon and such. Um, he writes a lot of great articles. He also works at uh, Riot for Project L. So he does a lot of stuff. So I wanted to put him in content creator, but in particular, I put him in this category here because, like I said, there's a theme to this category here. And Pat the Flip, I feel like what he's done for the Exerd scene and for classic Guilty Gear is amazing. So again, hats off to him. Shout outs to him. He's my number two FGC member of the year. And number one FGC member of the year, I mean, uh, people have guessed, <laughs> especially with the theming here, uh, no shock, Tong never sleeps, Tong the man, look, what he is doing for TNS, and Tampa never sleeps, he, <sighs> DNF duel, King of Fighters 15, Street Fighter, uh, every game you can imagine, Tong is running these weekly tournaments over and over and over again. He used to do the UMVC3 stuff. I think he still does uh, with the Parsec, spending a lot of money on Parsec of his own money for a lot of this stuff. He is pretty much like the king of online tournaments right now. Uh, I feel like, and uh, TNS, Tampa Never Sleeps, is like the, like the online tournament series right now, and he does it consistently, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, this is not easy, running weekly tournaments is really freaking hard, and it's tiring, and it's annoying, and it is so easy to just be like, I 
don't want to do this today. It's so easy to do that. Yeah, KOF 15, DNF, UMVC3, and Strive every week. They actually never sleep. Exactly. And so I, you know, what he's been doing, and again, embracing our new online scene and really helping turn it into one of the, you know, a, a very legit system out there, a very legit way to learn and play. Online is no joke right now. If you don't think that the best online will be some of the best offline. You're just fooling yourself at this point. You're holding on to archaic ideas. The amount of experience, the amount of times you get to play in a stressful tournament environment, the ability to try testing out new secondary characters against the likenesses of some of the top players around the league, around the world, around the country, to be able to test these days, the amount of information you can gather by playing in an online tournament week after week after week is what makes NLBC, which was what makes, you know, old school Wednesday night fights, the, 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 the hotbed for such talent. And now embracing the online environment, especially the way Tong has doing this every single week, and his team, I'm not going to lie and just be like, eh, Tong, Tong obviously has a very, very hardcore group of people dedicated to helping him with these tournaments. And I think that's very, very important. And shout outs to Tong and his entire team for doing this week after week. It is a thankless job. TOing is painful. It's annoying. I know people have gotten mad at TOs in the past for being rude and angry and discords and stuff. You be a TO for a few months every week and see how your patience holds up after a while. Because you have heard everything under the sun in terms of complaints, excuses, etc. It is not an easy job. It is not an easy task. And to run four events or more every single week is so much crazy so crazy and yeah during the pandemic all these newcomers wouldn't be doing anything but thanks to all these things thanks to like uh the the esports arena series e guilty gear stuff uh these things have helped a lot of these players become very very strong it's so thankless elon it's so thankless being a to is one of the hardest hardest uh, jobs in the world, honestly, honestly, it is one of the hardest things that I see disorder unit in the chat, obviously a subscriber of Tampa's and so obviously a big supporter of his and absolutely you should all support uh, Tong Never Sleeps. This is one of the reasons why I hate being financially strapped is I can't subscribe to anybody. <laughs> which makes me really sad. So it seems like I'm a hypocrite because I'm like, you should sub and support and I don't do any of that shit. But you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've already talked about why I'm so financially strapped right now. But uh, again, you guys should absolutely support uh, Tong and Tampa Never Sleeps as well as Pat the Flip, as well as Bum163 and the House of Chaos. Again, Three people, they are my three uh, FGC members of the year who have been doing wonderful, wonderful stuff. So uh, let's move on to the content creator of the year over here. And uh, content creator obviously spans a lot of categories, right? There's a lot of different people that you could reward for content creator of the year. I have rewarded artists in the past and 
I kind of wanted to make sure that I continue to uh, support all sorts of different things, right? It's very easy to be like, oh, you know, Smug the Beast because he does great YouTube and streaming content and stuff. But I want to support all avenues of content creation. So my number three and four uh, to support the artist out there who I think is doing wonderful stuff and I'm not being biased because he's let me use his artwork on my streams and everything like that. But my number three is going to be Quasi Modox. Um, look, you know, obviously you got people like Hungry Clicker out there who have like bazillion followers. But Quasi Modox has really built up a strong following there. I think he has like 30,000 followers uh, on his Twitter right now. His artwork is amazing. You can see the growth that he's had uh, throughout the years. And, you know, obviously you're going to get a lot of Armika beating up on big dudes, but like his art is really, really good. He turns that stuff out really fast. And I just, I really appreciate the stuff that he's doing. And I think he is one of our more prominent artists uh, here in the fighting game community. And so, like I said, I may be biased because he's letting me use a bunch of his Lucia drawings on my streams and stuff like that. But honestly, I do think he's one of the best. And yeah, Hungry Clicker, I, I can't include into this category directly because he's more than fighting games, right? Like, he ob like obviously, fighting games are one of his main focuses. He obviously watches everything in the FGC because as soon as someone wins a tournament like two seconds later there's the drawing it's just crazy but hungry clicker yeah like he's 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 there already but if you are a fan of fighting game artwork and you don't know who quasi modox is definitely check him out that's his twitter right there exactly spelled like that q u a s i m o d o x but again, I, I, I really like his artwork and I think his style is really cool. And he has a really, really neat take on how he draws a lot of things. And so uh, I just really appreciate what he's doing. Uh, and like I said, I really wanted to support artists as much as possible. Now, uh, again, this is a repeat award number two. And of course, uh, people have warned me that things might not seem all as rosy as possible. But I did put reversal.gg here for content creator of the year uh, for number two. So as I've had them in newcomer of the year, I, I had to put, um, I had to put, uh, um, Reversal.gg here too to emphasize that they are making good content. And again, this is fighting game news, event news, like like uh, was said in the chat. This is not, hey, we're going to focus on the drama, blah, 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 and all that stuff like that. But the EU scene is doing a lot of stuff. It's basically, if you don't know what it is, think of it as them trying to be the sports center of the fighting game community. You go there, you watch what happens at the events, they give you highlights, etc., etc. Et yeah, uh, they did a Smash event. They they basically did a lot of the work at UFA. They actually streamed some of the tournaments at UFA. So uh, you can actually watch a lot of the top eights from UFA uh, on their channels on YouTube and stuff like that. So uh, again, wanted to give them... Uh, Michelle Yeoh just won a, a Golden Globe. They cut her speech short and she told them to shut up. My queen. My queen, Michelle Yeoh. My queen. You let the queen speak. You let the queen speak. But uh, honestly, uh, shout outs to uh, Reversal.gg. 
uh, for doing great work, for doing great work out there. And then uh, my number one content creator of the year, uh, I'm actually going to give to a pretty obvious one, perhaps, uh, Brian F., Brian F. has obviously been doing a lot of content stuff and he has been putting in a lot of the work in trying to become one of the main uh, um, connection points between casuals and outsiders into the fighting game community, right? Like there's like a spectrum, like Maximilian is like connecting the complete outside and then, like, Brian F. is, like, the next layer co- connecting. And then Sajem. Actually, Sajem and Brian F. kind of cover around the same kind of area. But Brian F. has obviously been putting a lot, a lot of great content out there. Has really been working on his content game. Puts a lot of effort into it. Is very serious about it. And does it right in a lot of ways. I mean, I should learn from him. And I should do a lot of the same things that he does. I'm just... ADHD and lazy so hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully 2023 we'll see maybe this year I can actually step up my content game a little bit we'll see what happens uh, but again Brian F is doing a lot of great things for the fighting game community putting out videos all the time constantly constantly getting a ton of views and really opening up a lot of people to the fighting game community so Brian F absolutely uh, deserves uh, this award as number one because he has been doing great work. I looked through all my past years. I don't know how I didn't have Brian F. on this list before. Might have just been oversights and such, but, you know, uh, we're just me wanting to reward other people. But uh, Brian F., he, he get, he, his, this is his, this is what he's owed. He's due this award uh, for the amazing work that he has done for the fighting game community. And so for the next category, commentator of the year, uh, number three, number two, and number one is me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to reward myself commentator of the year. Uh, We'll do this one, and then I'll take a quick break, and then we'll keep going afterwards. But my number three commentator of the year is... Why do I have to look this up? So, I mean, there is something about this that, you know, obviously uh, very, very much related to uh, the Street Fighter VI thing. Uh, I wanted to give a little bit of love to overseas a little bit. And I did give number three to Aru, a.k.a. Papa Chihuahua who uh, is in uh, Street Fighter VI now. So he is uh, one of the guys who has been chosen. He has been doing commentary in the fighting game community forever for Japan. He's everywhere. It's him and Hamako are doing commentary everywhere. And now he's also cemented into Street Fighter VI. And uh, I'm really, really, really happy for him. And uh, he deserves so much. And he is just such a great ambassador to the game for the Japan scene. His energy is really, really good. And I think he's just uh, absolutely deserved to be celebrated uh, as one of the greatest uh, commentators to come from Japan. So uh, if you guys aren't familiar with him, like I said, he's one of the commentators in Street Fighter VI. You've probably heard him a million times. He has his catchphrase of, Ikimashou! Whatever, like, 
events start and everything like that. He even got to do that on stage at Evo before the Street Fighter V Top 8. Actually, it was after the Street Fighter V Top 8 when they announced uh, Kimberly and Jury. Uh, so, again, shout-outs to Aru. And, uh, like, he's he's basically uh, one of the best, and I, and I love him dearly. I love him dearly. Um, number two... Uh, a lot of these, I'm going to say, are kind of a little bit biased here. Uh, and for similar reasons that Aru's on here, but for even more than that, too. I've awarded this to Vi Vicious before. Spoilers, it's Vicious. Uh, I've awarded this to him before, but I had to do it again because I really feel like Vicious has just become one of our best commentators in the FGC. He has really, really cemented himself as one of the go-to commentators, you know, particularly for Street Fighter V. Obviously, he's in Street Fighter VI as well, but, I mean, it's more than just that from my standpoint, you know. Uh, just from talking to him, from working with him, there are very few commentators out there that work as hard as Jeremy, right? Jeremy Vicious, he works so hard on this craft. I mean, look, I'm not going to name names here. I'm not going to name names, but I'll tell you right now, a lot of commentators out there are lazy. For those that podcast at home who aren't saying I'm pointing at myself. Um, but I mean, a lot of people out there don't think about what they're doing for the commentary. They don't analyze their own commentary. They don't, like a lot of people aren't as, they don't pay attention as much and like they don't try to improve and stuff like that like I said most commentators do do this but there are definitely some commentators out there that I feel like are not doing a lot of this stuff and it's it is um it is unfortunate it is unfortunate but Jeremy is not one of those people Jeremy does so much work and so much research and constantly thinking about what he's doing, constantly trying to improve. Like I said, I have conversations with him all the time. And he's always like, I, you know, I need to do this. We need to do this. People need to research. And he's always doing his research. He's always doing all the work and everything like that. He is doing so much and has really cemented himself as one of our best commentators. And one of the reasons why I am so happy to put him on this list is because you know, when he started out, you know, it was it was hard for him. It was a struggle for him. And in fact, he it was very hard for him to stand out as a commentator. And uh, I think he's put in so much work. He's really found his own voice. He's really found his own uh, style and he's really uh, made a name for himself. So I have Vicious up here as uh, my number two. Uh, and again, so uh, I've seen a lot of people mention uh, names in the chat, for example, like Saki Sakura. Uh, for sure, David and Tubo gave Saki Sakura a, a bunch of award, uh, their Commentator of the Year awards. I think it was like first and second place for them last year. I unfortunately, I know how good she is. I know how much she's done. I unfortunately have not personally been able to see a lot of her work. So uh, I, while I acknowledge a, a lot of this, you know, obviously this, this is the reason why it was better to have three people doing the awards because we got the better scope of things. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of this is very, very uh, 
personal for me, you know, for a lot of reasons. And so I, I have to pick a lot of people that I'm familiar with or that, you know, I have, you know, particular reasons to do this for. And so uh, my number one, uh, not actually that far off from Saki Sakura, uh, is actually Jadelin, uh, Jadelin Gaming. Uh, the amount that she has stepped up and been able to do for like BB Tag and for Melty Blood and stuff, and the fact that she got to do top eight Evo <laughs> for Melty Blood uh, is, uh, wait, was it Melty? Yeah, it was Melty Blood that she did. I thought was fantastic. And she has put in so much work as well, and she is doing great work out there. And you know, again, like I said, for, you know, personal reasons, she talked to me a long time ago about like, huh, you know, it would be cool to try to do commentary and stuff. And I was like, go for it, go do it. And I, I kind of encouraged her to do that. And then when Evo rolled around last year, you know, I spoke to her before Evo and I was like, have you submitted your application to Evo? And she was like, I'm not going to get into Evo. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, put your submission in there. And she put in her submission and then she ended up getting to do top eight at Evo. And, you know, Fanta says she's a cool person as well. Yes, she is a very awesome person. Jalen is uh, a really, really awesome individual. And, uh, uh, and I'm really proud of her and I'm happy for her. And, you know, part of me, like I said, giving there's this award is just like me you know, like, like, she's all grown up, you know, like, I'm so happy that, you know, she's in this position and one of the leaders and one of the go-tos for the commentators. Uh, and now she's working on like the Series E event here for Guilty Gear Strive and stuff like that. And, you know, really, really happy for her to see her becoming one of the more prominent commentators out there, uh, especially, you know, for like the anime games and stuff. And, you know, her, she's got a lot of great analysis going on and she's just, she's She's really put in a lot of the work and I, I, I could not be more happy for her and more proud of Jadelyn uh, for being able to get to this point and to accomplish this much. Uh, and again, like Saki Sakura, we definitely need more, you know, uh, women commentators out there. Persia was obviously one of the trendsetters who has uh, able to open the doors for a lot of people. She now works at, uh, I think it's IGN, right? So she does a lot of hosting work over there, doing a lot of awesome things. She was the main host on the PlayStation channel uh, at uh, at Evo and stuff. But Persia definitely, oh, GameSpot, you're right. Best of best of fee shows. Thank you, Elon. Uh, obviously, uh, Persia open the door for a lot of players, for a lot of commentators like Saki Sakura, like Jadelin. And I love seeing that. And I really, really hope that we continue to see more and more, you know, women commentators there. I've had the chance, for example, to, you know, uh, coach and help uh, train Flexus, for example. Flexus would be a great person that I would love to be able to give to an award to in the future one of these days, you know. So I'm really, really heard. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just heard that you're... Okay, someone's tattling on me. If your ears are burning right now, Jalen, uh, you are uh, my number one commentator of the year. Like I said, I just see it and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, my 
my little girl has grown up, you know, kind of a mentality right now. So, so happy to see the uh, success that you've accomplished and uh, awesome to see the amount of work and, you know, talking about how, you know, you almost didn't apply to Evo until someone told you to and ended up doing top eight at Evo <laughs> their first year. <laughs> <laughs> so you know um really happy and really happy to see your success and looking forward to doing some commentary with you at series e you know hopefully uh, i'll be able to get myself back into that mix because i've <laughs> definitely screwed up on the series e some stuff <laughs> sorry to esports arena out there but um that's my uh commentator of the year category here and so uh, before we move on to event of the year, match of the year, fighting game of the year, player of the year, the random select award, and my 2023 personal resolutions, I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, I, I, I really need to pee. So, uh, I'm going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll go through the rest of the Ultra Chen TV 2022 awards. So be right back, uh, in just a bit. All right, welcome back, everybody, to It Was Tuesday. Did I change it on that other screen? Was that break scene still say the Tuesday show on there? No, it doesn't. Okay, welcome back to the first uh, episode of 2023 for It Was Tuesday, uh, the new name for the show. Of course, uh, I decided to call it that for very obvious reasons. Uh, I wanted to kind of change the name to that a long time ago, but it made just so much more sense now because the previous show was the Tuesday show, and now it's no longer the Tuesday show. So, it was Tuesday, so this show, it was the Tuesday show, but now it's It Was Tuesday, so you can officially call this It Was Tuesday, the podcast here, and uh, let's just uh, continue forward here. Um, let's go to the next category here, uh, event of the year. So event of the year, uh, obviously, as I mentioned already, I, I usually list events that I've been to unless like they were particularly hype, but uh, I didn't manage to go to a lot of events this year for reason, some reasons or another. And so uh, I definitely tried to list a bunch of stuff that I just went to uh, myself uh, personally here. And so for number three, I have uh, Combo Breaker 2022. Thanks, Harineto, telling me I have beautiful hair. I do need to cut it soon. I'm going to cut it shorter very, very soon because I'm tired of eating food and I'm tired of being blinded all the time. Uh, I'm tired of eating my hair, I should say, and being blinded constantly. And it's, it's a lot of work to maintain. Okay, it's a lot of work to maintain. Uh, but uh, let's talk about event of the year, Combo Breaker. This is the year that everything came back, right? Everything finally came back. And I know this year we, I mean, we've always just been kind of trying to be like, uh, well, I mean, I'm just happy everything is back. I'm just happy everything is back. And Combo Breaker, you know, has always been one of the best events. Again, lived up to the hype this year just was able to do everything that Combo Breaker has done in the past. Uh, great new venue, and um, it's definitely evolving. Combo Breaker's definitely evolving. Now, 
the new venue obviously did. There there was a little bit of loss of the kind of uh, community home style feel of the pheasant run uh, that we had before. Uh, but again, Combo Breaker still didn't skimp on trying to support all the different uh, sh- shows and it, just get a scrunchie and call it a day. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> I'll think about that. I've never actually considered getting a scrunchie. Huh. Okay. Or just a hair tie, right? Just ponytail it up. Just ponytail it up. In fact, I think I have a hair tie somewhere on this table somewhere. Anyways. But yeah, so obviously Combo Breaker was a great event. It uh, lived up to its name and everything like that. And so I'm, uh, again, you know, really happy uh, for Rick uh, being able to finally put this on again after the previous year. I know he had planned to go to the new venue, but then the pandemic, you know, kind of resurged and they had to cancel it and everything like that. And it's kind of a, a, a tough situation and so glad to have him be able to come back with a success for that, especially because he was planning two events at the same time. He had uh, Evo 2022 as well to plan because now he's in charge of Evo 2022. So, you know, uh, boy, that could not have been easy. Honestly, that could not have been easy. And if it wasn't for the fact that I would probably end up putting the Hado, a.k.a. Rick Thayer, as my number one FGC member of the year every year because he deserves it. Uh, he should have been here this year just for the fact that he ran Combo Breaker and Evo back to back in like the span of like, what is it, a month and a half, two months, which is just absolutely uh, ridiculous. So uh, shout outs to him uh, and shout outs to Combo Breaker 2022. Uh, my number two event, uh, of the year was, um, gosh, what do I call it? Is it, now that I think about it, I can't remember what I should call it. Capcom Cup 2021, that was the end of 2021, but was in 2022, uh, that took place this past year. Obviously, it wasn't what we wanted it to be. It wasn't the event. It wasn't a tournament. We didn't actually get to run brackets. We just got to do a bunch of exhibition matches. But the reason why I put this on here was I really enjoyed working this event. I enjoyed the flow of this event. And I really, really appreciated the the guys who ran at Blue Coast uh, really just um, letting us do our stuff. Letting us, letting the FGC be the FGC. I mean, I, you don't have to look any farther than what David was doing at that event, right? When he was literally uh, making all those jokes about beating Ken's meat and stuff like that. You know, like the fact that they didn't balk at any of that. They let us be who we are. Uh, David wore his freaking pink mad salty shirt you know and like everybody got to be who they were and we were just allowed to be the fighting game community uh and i really appreciated that there was a level of professionalism but then at the same time they let the fighting game community be the fighting game community they let us be the goofballs that we are and the personalities that we are and they had a really really nice uh um 
uh, a group of talent there for that event. And, you know, I, obviously from the viewer point of, point of view, it probably wasn't as great because it wasn't a tournament and it was just exhibitions and stuff. But I put it up here because for me as a person who worked the event, I just really had a great time there. And I remember talking to everybody who was working it and everybody said they were enjoying it. I love the analyst desk. I love the fact that they brought in a bunch of random people onto the analyst desk and, you know, rock from Rob TV to Brian F to just a kid who just a kid was just, I mean, like he was, uh, he was just a kid on there. He was just having a good time, uh, and, and just trying to live it up and stuff, you know, and it was really, really cool. I really enjoyed that event. I also got free Arby's at that event. And so Arby's, please sponsor me. Arby's, this is not a joke. Please sponsor me. I'm totally down to be Arby's James Chen. Again, I eat Arby's almost every week. <laughs> almost once a week, I eat at Arby's, okay? I'm not even joking you. <laughs> I genuinely... <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely love armies. So, um, again, uh, I really enjoyed Capcom Cup 2022 from working it from the behind the scenes uh, perspective. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then, of course, number one, uh, I know every year we've always kind of like done this whole thing where we're like, don't include, don't include Evo, but I'm putting Evo here because, uh, this was the big question mark. After the pandemic, after everything that went down with Evo, Evo was the big question mark. We didn't know what was going to happen at the event. And a lot of people were like, well, this could be the end of Evo. Uh, probably, like, no one's going to go. It's not going to... People kind of lost faith in it. And, you know... Uh, and people were like, you know what, now I don't, I, I, I don't have to support Evo anymore or whatever. You know, there was a lot of negativity towards the event. And then, and then Sony, who purchased Evo, announced that they hired Rick Thayer, a.k.a. the Hado, to run Evo. And suddenly everyone's like, all right, let's go to Evo. And uh, one of the things that was wonderful about it, I mean, it was the busiest Evo I've ever had in my life. Like, I have never, I did not have a single moment to sit down and rest. Every year, the previous year, I had taken pictures of all of the um, artist alleys and, you know, tweeted them just to give them their due and just to give them some publicity and stuff. I didn't have time to do that this year. Plus, another thing, there were so many freaking artists there this year. Holy crap. But yeah, lots of casual stations like Big Four Lil says. Uh, the space was nice. Although, if you got paid by the amount of miles you walked, you might have actually made more money because, dang, that ballroom was huge. Like, just to even walk to the, to the Vortex Gallery section over there took forever. <laughs> oh my God. To go from the main stage to the Vortex Gallery, it was just like... <sighs> Huffing it like across the entire ball. That place was huge, but it was great. The artist alley didn't feel crowded. People felt like they had a lot of space. The players felt like they had a lot of space. Not only that, but a lot of the things that, uh, you know, the Hado added his own touches to were amazing. For example, the arcade joystick museum was really, really sick. 
It was so cool that they actually just did that, that they just dedicated a space on the floor to that. For the line to get in, uh, they put up a bunch of old CRTs, some of them with like, like like flashing static on it and stuff like that, some of them with the you know green video label on there on the line. It was like they took the time to, 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 to decorate the line almost like a like a uh, amusement park ride line you know and I thought that was so sick they had some arcade cabinets sitting there and everything and like the fact that they actually took the time to think about the aesthetics of the event and such was just it's such a nice touch and then obviously it ran yeah the wall with all the evo champions that they had listed over there to talk about the history of the event you know they did a lot to add to the event they added a lot of extra stuff to it and gave people a lot more to do as visitors of the event which is something that rick is very good at doing uh, and then also, uh, honestly, you know, obviously the matches were amazing. That Street Fighter V Top 8 was probably one of the craziest Top 8s that I've ever seen. And I was fortunate enough to be able to commentate it. But God, that that IDOM run was... <sighs> you know, honestly. So um, it was just really great to see and you know they ran a lot of panels where you know they had the ability for SNK to announce all of the things like Samurai Showdown rollback for Dragon Ball to do that for Capcom to announce myself and Tasty Steve as commentators in the game and stuff and it's just I felt like the overall vibe at EVO this year was really really nice despite the fact you know obviously there probably was less people in the previous offline evo just because of pandemic reasons and stuff but the vibe there was very chill like even though i was like running around and being pulled everywhere from what i could see from everyone else it seemed like the vibe was really chill and it seemed like a lot of people were having a very good time at evo and that 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 made me happy to see and a lot of people were there for their first evo chris lee did his speech and he talked about it and he definitely made me cry so sorry i didn't not cry on stream but i definitely cried when chris lee was giving his speech uh during the top eights and stuff but uh honestly like i just the vibe of evo was really nice this year and it definitely felt like a a welcome back kind of situation it was great to feel that, to experience that, to get to return to that. And honestly, I saw a lot of old faces that I haven't seen at Evo since forever, even before the pandemic started. I saw a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. A lot of people felt like, okay, this is the Evo to come back to and see how things have changed and seeing what's going on. And so uh, a lot of people, I got to see so many old school faces and they're like, yeah, this is my first Evo back in like five years, six years or whatever. And it was, it was really cool to see. And, you know, for me personally, I, 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 I love that so much. I was so happy to be able to see all these people. Now, did I catch COVID at Evo? I'm still not sure. <laughs> Because I definitely caught COVID after Evo, but I didn't start showing symptoms until like over a week after Evo. So I'm still not 100% sure that I actually caught it at Evo. Even uh, my best friend from high school, like we stayed in Vegas for an extra day and I shared a hotel room with him and he did not get sick. <laughs> 
So I don't think I had it. I don't think I caught it from Evo, but it's just easier to say, yeah, I caught it from Evo because then I don't have to be like, maybe I caught it at Ralph's. I don't know. Maybe I caught it at a restaurant. I don't know. It's just easier to say that way, but I'm not 100% positive I caught it from Evo. Uh, but again, it was, um, it was a great event. And uh, for me, it was wonderful to see Evo being able to maintain its level and in fact, in many ways, surpass what Evo has been in the past. So, you know, as long as Rick Thayer is on board here, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of faith in what Evo can bring every year. And I'm looking forward to the new, to the next Evo in 2023. Uh, so those are my events of the year. Honestly, because I was doing these by myself, my intention was to watch the matches of the year on stream. You know, at least the key moments to, so that I, I can show you why they're matches of the year. But uh, I don't think I, I didn't realize that the stream would be going so long already because I can talk forever. I, how did we do three people in the past? I think we just weren't allowed to say that much before. So instead, what I'll do is please check the description below and I will link all the matches in the timestamps. Uh, I will put the link. I don't know if that works. We'll find out. But check the um, check the uh, the description below. I'll have the links to the matches and the timestamps for those matches. But this is going to be a weird one for match of the year because honestly, uh, I didn't go to a lot of events. I missed a lot of stuff. And like I said, this year I have been in a fog. I also have watched probably the least amount of matches uh out of like the past five years i just i have been so fogged up and distracted so the matches <laughs> you're gonna see where my focus is <laughs> my focus was this past year uh in terms of matches that i managed to see and matches that i really was invested in and such so <clears throat> number three match of the year goes to Flash versus Adventure in Guilty Gear Strive at Frosty Faustings. <laughs> if you guys did not get a chance to see this match, this was a crazy... So Adventure is known for his Jacko play. And Jacko is one of those characters in Strive that if you don't know what you're doing, Jacko's not very good. But if you do know what you're doing, Jacko is absolutely terrifying. And uh, Flash, old, old school Guilty Gear player, been playing since the XX days, top top fours at Evo, etc., etc., uh, plays Kai, a character that many consider underwhelming in Strive, but that Flash really, really believed in. The reason why I picked this for one of, for one of my matches of the year was because it embodied so much of what it was about the fighting game community that I love. And in fact, I, you know what? I'm still going to bring up the match. I'm still going to bring up the match because there's one thing I've really, really got to show. Uh... Uh, there's one thing that I really, really wanted to show uh, in particular a little bit towards the end. Oops, that's not the right one. Uh, this is the video I'm looking know what for here. Uh, ads are playing here. But uh, needless to say, what happened in this match was that um, 
Adventure got his stuff going very early on, and it was three out of five, top eight. And Adventure got up 2-0 against Flash Metroid in this match. So let's let's just actually uh, take a look at this really quick here. Let's just uh, breeze through this really really fast. I won't I won't dally on this uh, too much here. But as you watch over here, what I'll do is I'll set this to playback speed. Now, you know what? I'll just jump ahead. But very early on, Adventure took a lead. And hopefully we get to see an example of what makes Jacko so scary here. Yeah, because once you're in this corner and then you just all this pressure from Jacko is just ridiculous. And Adventure was playing out of his mind. Jacko not considered one of the strongest characters. And so Adventure definitely kind of on that low tier hero status with Jacko. And like I said, very quickly... Uh, Jumped ahead. I'm going to jump very far ahead in the match here. You see he's 1-0, and now it's 1-1 over here. But then Adventure got the 2-1 lead, if I'm not mistaken here. And so Adventure gets the 2-1 lead here, and so now Flash has to win the match. And let me tell you, the amount of shmup bullet hell dodging that Flash had to do in some of these rounds to be able to win and pull off the most ridiculous comebacks were ridiculous. But the thing that I, I want to point out the most is when it gets to the very end of this match here, 2-2 here, and uh, we'll watch the end. Of, look at this. Uh, Adventure has two match points here. And he gets away from this. He's able to... He tried to bathe the burst. Is that what he was trying to do? But he gets the win. It's down to the very last round here between Flash Metroid and Adventure. And again, like I said, the thing that makes this match for me is what happens after the match is done. Because it embodies everything about the fighting game community to me. And here we go. Adventure activates that super, which lets him go crazy. And he has this big old life lead now, and so Flash has to try to make this comeback here. And you can see that he's working his best to try to make this comeback. Gets a DP in the middle of a not true block string, keeps the pressure going, finds his way in. Adventure still has this burst, and he hasn't used it yet. And he finally uses the burst and gets a gold burst, gets the hit. Flash is in dangerous situation because he needs to get in. Double RC. And look at that. What? Oh, I can't believe he missed that. And now, oh, it's like pixels versus pixels. How do you get in? You throw the super and he got hit, dude. And then Flash gets the hit in there. And then this. Watch the reaction here. Look at this reaction. And this is what the FGC is about to me. If you guys are listening to this on the podcast and you can't see this, Adventure jumped up and popped off and looked more hype than Flash, even though Flash was the one that won that match. Flash has plopped down into his chair like he has no energy and is shaking his head. It looks like Flash lost and it looks like Ed won. And that's what it looks like in that situation over there. And I talked to Adventure after that match, and I was like, dude, I loved how hype you were after you lost that match. And he said to me, dude, that match was so good. You don't often get to play a match like that in your life. 
And to be able to have played a match like that, he was so, so ecstatic. And, you know, just that to me embodies what the FGC is all about. And, you know, I see you, Phoenix Force, in the chat. You know, Flash still playing fighting games. Flash Detroit. He's paid that money back, okay? Flash has actually paid that debt back. So, look, there's no reason to consider, I mean, not that doesn't happen a lot, right? So, he's definitely settled up on that debt. So, no reason to hold Flash accountable for that at this point anymore. So, he is uh like he he took care of it. So, and again, for me, happy to see a veteran still playing super well in these games, showing, you know, that they have what it takes to keep up with all these youngins. <laughs> But that was my number three match because it was just so cool. So, 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 so cool. And uh, I guess I've got to bring up the other one too. Um, uh, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Let's bring up my number two one over here. Uh, let me bring up my number two match. Get the ads over here. Boink. There we go. Find the timestamps. Yep, here we go. Actually, I think this, oh yeah, this is it right here. Oh my God. This is, oh God. Oh my God. My number two match of the year <clears throat> is, uh, let's do this. Uh, my number two match of the year was Umi Show versus Razo at Combo Breaker. Umi Show versus Razo at Combo Breaker. Do you guys remember this match? Do you guys remember this match? I'm just jumping to the very end of this match here. We're going to watch this match and I'm going to let you guys listen in to the Sage Jam and Yikes commentary here. That, this moment right here. Oh my god, this is gonna hurt so much. I will show you the, this Perfect. round. Uh, sorry, I accidentally well, spoiled it here, though, but this here match here, it's gonna be tough. No this is a uh, match point for wow. Umi Show. You know what, I like that. And he is down a lot, and he starts beating up on Razo, and he starts doing his thing. Uh, Razo with Leo tries to get in there, but Umi Show with a happy chaos holding him back right now. And uh, Umi Show just hanging on to a tiny bit of life, gets the hit, baits the burst, gets a bunch of damage, and then this happens. Goes in with the boom. Defense here. Oh, no! Oh my god, no FD double that. You're gonna use all of your resources. This is the start! Backdash to stop the RC! The jump in the air, the gunshot so close to Chip! Oh my god, get in there! Razzle's gotta get in the boom! Oh, double KO! It's gonna go on to another round! Just like that, Razzle, the backdash is the clutch! The double KO after Razo with zero pixels of health was able to dodge so many gunshots that would have chipped him to death. And how does he get a double KO? By shooting Leo's sonic boom through one of the clones that Umi Show dropped to put Happy Chaos at a pixel. But the projectile kept going and Umi Show used that clone to find the time to pull out the gun. <laughs> To pull out the gun, fire the gun to chip Umi 
uh, to Chip Razzo to death across the screen, and the gunshot comes out and hits on the exact same frame that Leo's fireball going through the clone hits Happy Chaos. We got a double KO on a match point round to get to 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 get to winners finals. Literally on two projectiles. I don't know if I've ever seen this before in my life. A double KO with two projectiles, one being a projectile that shoots across the screen and tracks the opponent almost instantly versus a sonic boom. And they traded and got the double KO to bring it to the final, final (laughs) round. And yeah, as some people saying that, dude, when you when you were there in the room, oh my God, people were jumping all over the place. And yeah, the fact that, like K. John says, that uh, Razo had to dodge so much to even get into that position, backdash, dodging a bunch of those gunshots and stuff, and like the fact that he was even able to get himself into that position after the wall spat, splat brought him to zero health, and Umi Show got a hit with the burst to get a gold burst and full meter to actually be able to pull off that double KO was ridiculous. Now, Umi Show did go on to win, but that round right there is probably one of the wildest and crazy rounds I've ever seen in a fighting game, and it was just... I I was there watching it live, and like I said, the room was exploding. I ju- I had to do the thing where I turned around and looked at the people I was with, and I was just like, what is happening? Dude, it was so crazy. Oh, what a good match. What a good match, and it's really exemplary of the level of how, how good the players are at this point in time. Uh, for Guilty Gear Strive, especially here in the States. It's it's ridiculous how good the players are. And uh, speaking of how good the players are and uh, at Guilty Gear Strive, <laughs> uh, and like I said, probably uh, funny to see exactly how this ended up. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Uh, all of my top three matches are Guilty Gear Strive, okay? I, I was inundated with this. I soaked myself into this game, uh, for 2022. Guilty Gear Strive was probably the game I commentated the most, that I watched the most, that I paid attention to the most. Uh, I really kind of only stopped playing it because Potemkin was just so much work. But my number one match was Latif versus Hotashi. Another great match that emphasizes what makes fighting games so great. Hotashi and Latif had been jawing at each other. EU versus US. EU versus US. Obviously Latif from EU. Hotashi from uh, US. And they had been jawing at each other for so long about who was stronger, who was better. And... um, yeah, uh, they finally got to play a first two fifteen, I believe it was, at Evo uh, for the sodium suites that uh, Yipes put on. So Yipes set up the sodium suites, set them up for a first to 15 match, and it went down to the wire. Literally went, I think the final score was 15 to 14. 
I think it went 15 to 14. But at some point during that match, I think it was like at 11 to like nobody could get over a two game lead. Like Latif would pull ahead, Hatashi would catch up, and it would just like, or Hatashi would pull ahead, and then Latif would catch up, and it was just like back and forth the whole entire time. But this wasn't even in between games. This was in between a round. There was one round that they played that was so ridiculous that as soon as the round ended, Hotashi and Latif actually turned and looked at each other and like either fist bumped or shook hands or something like that in the middle of a game, in the middle of the entire set. Because they were both realizing just how strong and how good their opponent was playing and the adjustments they had to make to each other that in the end they were they couldn't do anything but respect each other so much to the point that in the middle of a game in between rounds a KO happened they turned and shook each other's hand <laughs> dude like that is that is the epitome of the fighting game community right there like i said with adventure popping off even when he lost like you have never experienced a fighting game match until you get that one match against an opponent and you know you both are making those adjustments and you know you're both just doing the most ridiculous smart things but keep getting outsmarted by your opponent but then sometimes you outsmart their tricks and stuff and like when you first experience that match it is one of the most euphoric moments you will ever have in fighting games and unfortunately it's a difficult thing to run into because you do have to find someone that's pretty much at your level you know and both of you have to be able to have that ability to adapt to each other so you do need to get to that level but when you have that match when you have that match it'll be something you will never forget and there is just nothing you can do but respect your opponent uh, during those matches it's some it is one of the most joyous and rewarding things ever and very rarely is a situation where you're sad that you lost right like obviously if it's for like a top eight for a lot of money or something like that yeah you could be sad that you lost but in an exhibition like that I mean I think both players came away from that with a very deep and uh understanding respect for each other and I think that was really really cool I really enjoyed that a lot and so that's my number one match of the year uh, for fighting game of the year, uh, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting category here. Uh, my number three fighting game of the year is Sifu. Fr no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, my number th three fighting game for the year, uh, I had to put Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, I had to put Guilty Gear Strive because you could tell how much I've been immersed into that game. Um... I obviously commentated a lot, I played a lot, I labbed a lot of Potemkin stuff, and I just really enjoyed this game. I just, I, I, I had so much fun watching, um, I had so much fun seeing a Guilty Gear game shine like this. And I know a lot of people don't feel like it's a true Guilty Gear game, but just get that notion out there's no such thing as a true whatever game right like if it exists it is if it exists and is a guilty gear game it's a guilty gear game and so like i just love seeing the kind of attention that guilty gear strive got the kind of uh you know uh shine that it had and the amount of play it was like one of the highest selling it is the highest selling guilty gear of all time 
And, you know, that made me really happy. And again, this came out previous year. I think it was my number one game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it was my number one game last year. But like I said, I put so much work into this game, just watching it, studying it, labbing it, commentating it and stuff that I couldn't not put it as my number three game here. Because obviously for number two and number one uh, is are going to be games that came out uh, that year. And uh, my number two fighting game of the year is King of Fighters 15. Uh, King of Fighters 15 uh, came out and, you know, obviously you're like, it's number two, not number one. I'm surprised, James. Well, uh, a lot of it was tempered by the fact that obviously the matchmaking wasn't very good. Uh, and that kind of hurt me a little bit. Uh, and I didn't honestly get to play it as much as I had hoped to be able to play during the course of the year, uh, to be honest with you. I wish I had played it more. I wish I had been able to do more with it. But my experience, I didn't even get to commentate the game a lot. So the game is, I, 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 my connection to the game is a little bit smaller uh, than I would have liked it to have been. I really enjoy Isla. I think Isla's one of the most fun fighting game characters I've ever labbed and like messed with and learned how to control and stuff like that. I think she's really cool, but I just didn't play the game enough. I just never got to the point where I could be strong enough at the game, but I have it here because obviously I'm really happy to see it's out. I'm really happy to see that, you know, it has revived a lot of the KOF community. I love the fact that the KOF community is really enamored with this game. Like, they feel like it's one of the best KOF games in a long time outside of the Cronin factor. But let's put it this way. If you're a King of Fighters player, you're used to having characters be top tier and just being really dominant, right? So... They're used to it, but I mean, they've already announced that, you know, there's a big, big character balance patch coming out. They've just announced the new characters for season two. We'll be talking all about it on Synchronized tomorrow. But again, I'm actually really, really uh, happy for the KOF community. Really happy that it got to be at EVO this year. Uh, sad that we didn't get like the, the Shao High showdown with Mexico uh, that, you know, I would have liked to have seen. But again, you know, having China, Mexico, Morocco. Uh, Morocco, you know, France, all these different, like KOF is truly one of the most global fighting games out there. The scenes for this game are so strong everywhere, Taiwan, uh, uh, Japan, etc., etc. you know, to finally see it have this representation. And I really, really, really hope that they fix that matchmaking soon, that they uh, can continue to support this game and really, really turn it into something really, really uh, huge, basically. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously there was a lot of Cronin in that Evo, but again, like I said, unfortunately Cronin is top tier and also top tier in a very uninteresting way. It's hard to say whether the matchmaking or Cronin has done more damage to the game. I really do think it's the matchmaking, uh, to be honest with you, because people aren't streaming the game. The game has no streaming presence right now, and that's unfortunate. Uh, so that's another reason why I'm very thankful for guys like Tampa Never Sleeps for continuing to stream KOF 15 tournaments and such like that. 
but you know, I'm re yeah, Korea is super Korea is super strong. A lot of old school Korean players come back. So if they can fix the matchmaking and if they can rebalance the game a little bit, 2023 could be a very 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 big year for King of Fighters. Uh, 20 uh, for King of Fighters 15 and I really really hope that happens and I hope I have a chance to get back into it and play the game a lot more but when your experience going online is playing four people in like eight or nine matches and each match is like 20 minutes apart like literally I'm just sitting there waiting for a match for 20 minutes and then I fight somebody and it's just the same people like the same four people for like nine to ten matches in a row like it just killed my desire to play the game and so i didn't get to experience it as much so unfortunately that's the reason why it's number two on my list but i have a lot of hopes for this game and i hope 2023 really is the year that king of fighters 15 gets a chance to bust out basically i really hope that it has the opportunity to, to to do some shine and you know like i said i'm really sad i wanted to commentate the game but i just never got any opportunities to commentate it because everyone like even the ifc icfc for king of fighters i think ran one season and then just stopped like a lot of people just stopped running king of fighters tournaments so maybe i'll have to hit up tong and be like can i commentate king of fighters 15 for tampa never sleeps i don't know we'll see but uh my number one fighting game of the year and uh i'm people have probably guessed this because it's conspicuously missing off this list is dnf duel actually i had no expectations for this game I had no interest in this game. When the beta came out the first time, I didn't even touch it until the very last day. I just was like, okay, this is probably going to be one of the fighting games I'm not going to pay attention to. And then when it came out, or I think it was the second beta, or when it officially came out, like, I just fell in love with this game. Like, I really fell deep into this game. And for similar reasons, I, I didn't play it as much because of the fact that you know, the, the online disappeared pretty quickly. I think Swiftmaster crone into the game <laughs> for a lot of people out there. But to me, the reason why I love DNF Duel so much is because it is the closest thing to one of the true old school fighting games that I have played in such a long time. <laughs> because the game is so busted and so broken and I love it. I love it. Like, uh, there's a lot of people that are like, I can't play this game because it's so broken and degenerate. But, dude, what do you think MVC2 and Super Turbo and Third Strike, etc. is, right? Like, those are some of the most broken, degenerate fighting games you can ever talk about. And they are some of the most beloved fighting games you will ever hear people gush about. And honestly, DNF Duel fills that void for me. Strive kind of filled that void for me as well, which is why I really enjoyed Strive. And I had so much fun labbing Inquisitor, labbing Dragon Knight, and doing all this stuff. And 
I got to commentate like one or two DNF dual events here, but like I just I I it was one of the first ones that I actually just would go and seek out a lot of YouTube videos. I would watch a bunch of the Tampa Never Sleeps events. I would watch the can opener events because I was just having such a good time watching that game. And you know, I just labbed some Inquisitor recently. She got some nice buffs, and so like I'm really excited. Uh, again, like uh, King9999 says that DNF Duel looking good this year. The balance patch has been really cool so far, and they finally acknowledged that they are getting, we are getting new characters right. Like Jointer3 in the chat says, aiding actually updating their DNF Duel took me by surprise. Yeah, a lot of people had quit the game because it really felt like that they dropped the game and then they were done with it after the first balance patch. It really just seemed like that was it because then there was no news. And so I feel like one of the most important things in today's FGC is the developer has to make it known that they are supporting their game. Because if they are not supporting the game, the games really get hurt very badly. DNF Duel got hurt by the radio silence. MK11 got hurt by NRS saying that we're not doing any more updates for the game, right? We, yeah, exactly. So Elon, best of V show says the fact that they took a buff only philosophy for the patch was very cool. Exactly. And so uh, I, the fact that it has developer support, we've got a, uh, we have the um, uh, 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 season pass coming out. So we're getting more than one character. And now a switch port is, oh my God. Let me tell you something, man. If you have ability to lab a fighting game on the Switch while lying in bed, it is like one of the greatest things ever. It is one of the greatest things ever. So uh, Duck Helmet in the chat says, I'm really hoping that one of the new characters grab me, grabs me. I like DNF Duel, but none of the cast really connected for me. One of the biggest weaknesses of DNF Duel, honestly, is that all the characters have job names. I really feel like that kind of hurt it a little bit. Uh, in fact, uh, when Rising Thunder was first being developed by the Cannons a long time ago, you know, when I found out they were making a robot fighter, I told them you have to be careful because if you do not have the personalities for people to get attached to, that could be harmful for your game. And then they added the pilots and then they gave the pilots these really awesome personalities, like the one robot was driven by a dog, you know, like, I mean, they, they actually, you know, went through with that. And I thought that was really great. And I do think DNF Duel, that might be one of the weaknesses that the characters might not resonate with people as much because they feel like jobs as opposed to actually characters. Uh, right, there's a lot of DF fans, DFO fans who you already know who have a strong character attraction. It's an established franchise. But for fighting games, the people from the FGC who are the ones that you want to really get there playing it, you know, the reason why Street Fighter 4 was a success and Street Fighter 3 was a flop was that it brought back all of the characters that we knew and loved. It had that nostalgia factor. And that nostalgia factor is there because people gain attractions to the characters, right? Like, go home and be a family man. Grandma, I mean, hey, that's the bracelet I gave to you as a kid, Jimmy. You know, Ken getting married. I mean, look, when people were talking about Ken being a bum in 6, how many people were mad about that because of the Street Fighter 2 ending of him getting married to Eliza? Chun-Li being a, you know, young teenage girl again and all these things. Like, the endings from Street Fighter 2, as dumb and silly and useless as they were, like, it's... 
it resonated with people. That kind of stuff resonates with people, you know? Go home and family, man. Yeah, K. John says he has the shirt for that. Like, that absolutely just is such an important factor of fighting games. Your connection to the characters is so powerful to connect to, for, for fighting game players. And I do think that that's one of the weaknesses of DFO. Too late to change it now, whatever. But it's, it's still, to me, a game that I enjoy so much. It's beautiful. I'm glad that they took the buff-only approach to the patch, like someone else mentioned in the chat, uh, that best that Elon mentioned in the chat. Uh, I just, I love the fact that we have a variety, that there's actually, like, zoners in the game and stuff, and they really did a lot of interesting things with the archetypes, and I really, really, really love what the game turned out to be. It caught me by surprise. I was not expecting to care about the game. I was not expecting to play the game. And it was one of the games that I probably labbed the most. I put, like, I didn't stream it. Because I'm not sure if people want to watch me lab all day. Like, not play matches. But I put in so many hours labbing Dragon Knight combos and stuff and Inquisitor routes and stuff like that. I put a lot of time <laughs> into those two characters. Uh, and um, I just, I really enjoyed the game. I, I really enjoyed that game. <laughs> the OG Eliza ending. You watch Amsa Lab Yoshi for hours? Dude, watching Amsa Lab Yoshi would probably be one of the most entertaining things in the world. Because watching Amsa do anything with Yoshi, and shout outs to Amsa, by the way, I probably should have put him as an honorable mention for player of the year. Uh, winning a high stakes melee tournament with Yoshi? <laughs> My God, dude, like... In two in 2022, we had a player win a major, major melee tournament with all the good players there with a Yoshi. <laughs> with a Yoshi. Yeah, first time in the game's history that someone made won a major with Yoshi, like Elon says, dude. It would I mean, dude. Now that I think about it, I, AMSA should definitely be honorable mention in there. So shout outs to AMSA. Uh, uh, honestly, what a, what a performance there. Oh, man. All right, let's do players. Let's do players. Uh, number three, player of the year. Now, this is going to be a weird one. Like the year, like, for example, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know, one best foreign film. You know, I mean, it got nominated for Best Picture and was nominated for Best Foreign Film when none of the other foreign films were were nominated. <laughs> none of the other foreign films were nominated. Uh, only Crouching... So, of course, Crouching Tiger's going to win Best Foreign Film, right? It's obviously got to win because it's the only one that was nominated for Best Picture. So, you know, th there's that kind of thing. It's going to be kind of weird for me to say that this is my number three player of the year, considering, you know, I had talked a little bit about Nubenheimer and I talked about Umi Show uh, earlier. Uh, but what I'm going to do as my number three uh, player of the year here is actually going to be Tempest NYC. Because... Um, 
This is a player that every time I commentate, every time I watch him, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a player he is at fighting games. I really don't think he gets enough credit. He was first place at Combo Breaker, beating Umi Show, preventing Umi Show from getting Combo Breaker, and then he made top eight at Evo. Uh, the one that Umi Show won, but he made top eight at Evo. But the thing about it is, Tempest NYC has been dominating so many fighting games for so long during this entire pandemic and even pre-pandemic. But when Grand Blue first came out, he was winning every tournament with Charlotta. And, you know, when all the new games come out, he's always right there and being one of the players beating everybody. And Tempest NYC, I think he is just such a fantastic player and uh, we don't talk about him enough, honestly. Uh, he is, uh, well, I mean, it's so funny because he was a May player at first, switched to Leo because he wanted to prove to everybody how busted Leo is and uh, try to get Leo nerfed. <laughs> but then he ended up gelling with Leo very well, and now he's one of the best players uh, for Guilty Gear Strive in the U.S. So very much shout-outs to, to, to Tempest NYC. Uh, for that uh, but yeah again a player that I feel like is so strong and definitely and Leo got buffed exactly uh, I think that you know uh, he fundamentally I think Tempest is one of the strongest fighting game players we have in NA right now just from how fast he's able to pick up games and how quickly he's able to become one of, if not the best at the game, is very difficult, especially in games like these anime games. And he's also, a, if I'm not mistaken, he's an amazing Inquisitor player as well. And the stuff that he does with it, like, I thought Inquisitor was low tier until I started watching, I believe it was Tempest, uh, doing damage with Inquisitor. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Tempest, his understanding of fighting games is ridiculous. And uh, he's a person that I feel like should get way more accolades than he does. But even though I made that whole spiel and speech and everything like that, my number two player is Umi Show. And again, for all the reasons that I talked about for Newcomer of the Year, I mean, she came out of nowhere, showed up to Wednesday Night Fights, uh, started beating everybody and was like, who is this person? And finding out this is her first fighting game and all this stuff like that. Like, clearly, clearly Umi Show is a one-of-a-kind player. And not only that, too, but I actually got a chance to meet Umi Show's parents at EVO, at the stage. Um, after Umi Show won, I was talking to Umi Show's mom. And, you know, I really had to thank her. I was like, thank you for supporting Umi Show's, you know, passion. Uh, supporting her her desire to want to become this fighting game champion and stuff like that. And she was actually like, thank you for always sticking up for Umi Show in like all the chats when everybody's hating on Happy Chaos and stuff. And I was like, what? Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, she came from Overwatch. She was an Overwatch player and then said, let me try Strive. And now she's like the best at Strive. Like, <laughs> what? 
So, I mean, I guess going from Overwatch to a, a character who shoots guns all the time, I don't know. Maybe there's some connection there, but I don't know what it is. But, you know, it was really cool to see and really happy for her and really happy that she has such a supportive family, you know, who, who's willing to, 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 to support this hobby. Because as a person who grew up and did, you know, my parents were of the, you know, video games will ruin your life kind of mentality, you know. Uh, even though that was like what I was so avid into, you know, uh, it's just wonderful to see. So uh, honestly, uh, Umi show number two player of the year and, uh, number one player of the year here. I mean, God, is anybody going to be surprised? (laughs) The only tournament this guy did not win (laughs) that he entered, he got second place in, in the most, ridiculous losers bracket run in the entire world <laughs> idom <laughs> the only tournament he didn't win was evo and he got second place but he won ceo he won combo breaker he won everything else he entered in dude idom is ridiculous now he didn't win the uh the the cpt east qualifier he did uh end up winning the world warrior so he's still in capcom cup but idom dude that loser's bracket run i've often said you know commentating is the easiest job in the world when the matches are good and me and David were both like, dude, I think our commentator commentary was on point for that Evo top eight. But when the matches are like that, when all you can say is, oh, I guess the way you win in fighting games is to be right all the time. And Idom's run in that loser's bracket, oh my God, it was so good. And obviously, you know, it's it's... You're sad that he didn't take it, but shout-outs to Kawano stopping that freight train. And Kawano absolutely deserves, you know, his win and the title and everything. But, man, Idom's run was just the most ridiculous thing ever, dude. I have never, never seen anything like that. And, I mean, it was, like, one of the craziest Rocky stories. Like, we saw the entirety of Rocky Rocky won in that top eight, starting in loser's bracket, just murdering everybody. And it's not even just that he murdered people, but he murdered Daigo and Tokido and like all these ridiculously high quality players. He just took them out, (laughs) was ridiculous. And then just the fall short at the very end and you know, I talked to Idom afterwards and, you know, it's so funny because you could tell he was so sad because he actually was showing a little bit of emotion. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm so sad. I could have been the trifecta of CEO Combo Breaker and Evo. Like, I could tell he was like just crestfallen and just destroyed dude i do that guy i swear has some of the best like maturity and nerves that i've ever seen (laughs) in my entire life japanese players definitely sleep on laura but for the reason that laura's not good she's not a great character it's just idom it's just idom is just ridiculous with that character nobody else does that Nobody else has that kind of success with Laura except Idom, right? It's just, it's it's Idom. Idom is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, honestly, he is, uh, yeah, he sees the Matrix with Laura. Seriously. He's so good at that character. It's ridiculous. 
And, uh, oh, knee. Okay, that's a good one. Captured his third title, won his 100th tournament, took Atlanta finals, won versus uh, five, Japan's versus Japan's best, beat Arslan again, etc. He did it all in 2022. That is a great pick, Big for Lil. And you're right. Uh, probably a player of the year honorable mention that I probably should have put uh, in there because, yes, absolutely. Knee, uh, knee was kind of ridiculous. So, uh, well, I mean, uh, Big Four Lil says that was his third evil title. So, uh, that might have been his, was that his first for seven? No, he's won, uh, yeah, so, oh, okay, so he won, I see, so in crosses, you're counting the evil Japan ones. Right, right, okay, okay, gotcha. But this is the first for uh, Tekken 7 in the main Evo, main Evo, got it. <laughs> Quano <laughs> picked up Lucia to counterpick Idom at Capcom Cup. That's such a weird pick. That's such a weird pick to counterpick Laura. Such a weird, weird pick. Or was that to counterpick? No, it was to counterpick Poison, which weirdly enough makes sense to me. <laughs> like you would think of all the characters that I would complain about having stubby normals against it would be Poison. But for some reason, I never felt bad about the Lucia-Poison matchup. And I always felt like Lucia could fight Poison. <laughs> I always felt like Lucia could fight Poison. So that actually didn't surprise me. But Lucia is still bottom tier, okay? She's still, well, nobody's bottom tier in Street Fighter V except for Zangief. Zangief is the only Street Fighter V bottom tier character. So um, it's definitely, uh, I would say, um, she's definitely mid-tier, mid-tier. And like I said, mid-tier is the, is, the is the worst you can really get except for Zangief, basically. So, Okay, <laughs> Lucia rushed down second. So yeah, you have to play Lucia like a grappler, Shard Lab. Uh, dude, I rated Stupendous yesterday, and we were talking about how shit Zangief is. Oh, my God. But you have to play Lucia like a grappler, and I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy her so much, because she has that grappler mentality in which you have to keep her out. Just don't let her get in. You have to play so defensive against her, because if she gets in on you, you die. Like, her corner pressure is ridiculous. But if you know how to fight her... If you know how to keep her out because she has no range, no, like she literally has nothing that is not minus on block running in on you. Unless she uses V-Skill 2. And unless you're Dominion, you're not playing V-Skill 2. And uh, everything she does is minus. Everything she does is minus. So she does not have a way to EX Scissor Kick in on you, EX Zonk Knuckle in on you. Her standing medium kick is minus and has shorter range than Akuma's bufferable standing medium punch, which is also plus on block. Like, Lucia has no range. Her goal is to annoy you enough that you try to get in on her and kill yourself. <laughs> That's basically how Lucia works. Or if you're patient, she has to really weave her way in. So you can't think of her as like the Kami or the Karen. You have to think of her like a Zangief character. You have to keep her out. And total sidetrack on how to beat Lucia. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we, to the Random Select Award. The Random Select Award. So what you're wondering what um, Random Select is... 
there's a lot of categories that don't cover the things that we want to talk about. Uh, I mean, you're saying Lucia was playing Street Fighter VI years ahead of the curve, Lucia in the wrong game. Kimberly is just a jacked-up Lucia. Like, they're the same character. Like, again, stubby normals, but once Kim gets you in the corner, you are so dead. <laughs> I need to put up that, that, that animated gif of that guy playing Killer Instinct that you could read his lips where he's like... And that's basically what everyone says when Kimberly gets you into the corner. So, um, <laughs> licking my new combo stick on stream. I forgot about that. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, uh, random select award is just awards that I can give because I can't, uh, I, I can't find another place to mention these awards. So we have a random select award for this. And, uh... The first one I wanted to give was, honestly, uh, number three goes to Street Fighter V Definitive Edition. Nobody expected that patch. <laughs> when they said they were going to come out with one last patch, everyone's like, okay. And they came out, and it's just like... <laughs> like, that thing was like 50 pages long or something like that, dude. There were so many changes, and they were all so well done. And so well thought out. There were so few changes in there that you looked at and were like, what are they thinking? I mean, some of them, like, for example, Flicker Punch into the follow-up, in retrospect, is like, God damn it, what the hell were you thinking? But at the time, it made a lot of sense, and Ed kind of needed the help and stuff like that. But honestly, what they've done with the Street Fighter V definitive patch is absolute... Okay, taking away Urien's EX headbutt. Okay, Fair Maddie Ice. Fair Maddie Ice. But uh, I really do feel like the game overall is in such a great position because Urien's not a bad character despite that nerf. Despite that nerf, he's still a very, very good character. He still has the ability to fight. And like I said, if excluding Zangief, I think every character has a viable place to be seen in tournaments with Gamer B even doing well with Lucia Akainu winning Salt Mine Leagues with Dan, right? I mean, people are saying Dan is terrible, dude. He's like, he's like literally winning Salt Mine Leagues with Dan against some very strong players and such. So again, there's a place for every character except Zangief in Street Fighter V and like the definitive patch is, yeah, enjoying Ryu again. Ryu, like, out of those 50 pages of buffs, he had, like, 10 of those pages, dude. Like, they turned Ryu into a monster. Dude, re online Ryu is the new online Ken. I used to not be that scared of online Ryu, and now I'm terrified of online Ryu. Because those online Ryus will DP anytime they can, and they just do the crate. Dude, Ryu is terrifying right now, dude. He is such a strong character, but I really, really... Uh, farofa Ryu. <laughs> farofa Ryu. <laughs> I really... Like, the, the I was already enjoying Street Fighter V, but honestly, I think the definitive patch really turned Street Fighter V into a game that is at the same level as, like, the Third Strikes and the Super Turbos and all the classic Street Fighters of old. Like, Street Fighter V, while still not made for a lot of players out there because it's such a different game... The state at which it in, though, is it's really fun. It's really creative. And at the highest level, you see a lot of really smart stuff happening. 
what was that, Jasmine? You see a lot of smart stuff happening, a lot of really funny things going on, and players really have an opportunity to show themselves and such. So, you know, Street Fighter V has really closed in a wonderful, wonderful place. And so I'm really happy for that. So, uh, well, I fought Blast on stream. I'm definitely terrified of Blast Ken, but for very specific different reasons, okay? Not not the old Platinum Ken reasons. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And, uh, I mean, as mu but despite that, as much fun as I love Street Fighter V right now, I'm so looking forward for Street Fighter 6 because Street Fighter 6 is so... That, that beta was so amazing. And Kimberly was so goddamn fun. Oh my god. Like, I haven't put that much lab work, I swear, into a Street Fighter character. Because Street Fighter is not going to be the DNF Guilty Gear kind of thing. But... Oh my god, like, Kimberly, I, like, every time I saw tech from people online, it was something that I hadn't thought of. It was wild, like, I couldn't believe there was so much variety for the character. I mean, I'll be doing, I, I hope so, ask Capcom if I'll be doing commentary for SF6 events in the future. If they hire me, I'm in, I'm there, but number two... Kimberly was so fun. I wasn't I wasn't expecting for her to be the character that I was going to play, to be honest with you. I was just using her because she was close to Lucia, and I've always played the Bushin characters in every game. I played Guy, I played Maki, you know, uh, and then I played Lucia. So I was like, all right, I'll play Kimberly. But Kimberly actually uh, has turned into a character that I will definitely be maining in Street Fighter 6 because I can't, <laughs> I can't quit her. Dude, she is so much fun. She is so much, for the beta, I didn't know. I was thinking maybe Ken or something, but like, because I'm waiting for Zangief and Kami still. I'm waiting for those two characters at this point. Uh, but yeah, honestly, the, um, SF6 beta, I mean, like, I, obviously for the memes, I was very tempted to put SF6 beta into fighting game of the year. I almost put it as number three game of the year, but I, I didn't want to do that. I want to keep it at least a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, serious here, but that is just an indication the 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 the, uh, the amount of anger from people who have not gotten into the Street Fighter 6 beta has been above and beyond the anger I've seen from any other game of people not getting into the beta. That is how much fun the game is looking. That is how much good word of mouth that has been going. Like everybody wants a piece of this action, dude, and cuz the game oh my god, it's so fun. And everything they put in the training mode is so good. The features they put in the game are so... Obviously, I still hate DIs. <laughs> we'll figure that out as time goes on. You know, hopefully I, I'll get good. I'll be able to learn how to fight DIs. But honestly, for the most part, most everything about Street Fighter VI... I love so far. I love the meter management. I love that we haven't explored parries at all, and parries are actually going to change a lot once we start getting good at those moves. 
um, once we start getting good at parries. There's going to be a lot, and there's a lot to discover. And the fact that every Kimberly who played the game played Kimberly very differently is really important to see because it is really showing that the personality is is ruling over for these characters because there's so many systems. Now, this is the hard part. The game may intimidate people. It may be hard to understand all the systems uh, and how they interplay with each other. But because there are so many systems, it really defines the personality of who's using the character. And I, I really, really love that. I really enjoy that. And yeah, it feels like SF6 was such a risk to make because it looks slash acts so differently than previous games, but it's so well done. But again, that's Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2 is not Street Fighter Alpha. In fact, Alpha 2 is not Alpha 3, is not Street Fighter Third Strike, is not CVS 2, is not Street Fighter 4, is not. They've always been willing to take these risks for Street Fighter to make a completely new game. And, and that's one of my favorite things about it. That's one of my favorite things about it. So, <sighs> so I am obviously looking forward to uh, Street Fighter 6 a lot. I can't wait. I, I hope there's an open beta coming out soon because that'll really, really test their matchmaking servers. <laughs> that'll really test it. Dude, Alpha 3 and Alpha 2 are not even like in the same series, dude. Dude, dude, seriously, Elon, like after, I'm sorry, our matches, we, we had like such bad connection, but see, I love Alpha 3. I love Alpha 3. Uh, no, there's not an estimate release, K-John. It's June 2nd. <laughs> They've announced that June 2nd is the release date. <laughs> so it's literally coming out June 2nd. So yeah, Sam Show uh, rollback is going to be really, really cool. <laughs> Uh, but my number one random select of the year is Converse 310. Yo! No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let me uh, get my... Uh, let me get my number one. My, my number one random select of the year. I really, really wanted to get... Because he kept saying in the chat, Converse 310 in the chat was like, man, I know I'm in this random select word. I know I'm here. I know I'm here. So I just wanted to show him that, you know, I, I saw that. I saw that. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> honestly, um, number one is Arxis. And the reason why I want to talk about this in particular is has a lot to do with the uh, rollback netcode stuff. The fact that they are putting in rollback netcode into Exerd is one of the most unprecedented, amazing community goodwill moves that I have ever seen in my entire life. They have Stripe. Whenever a fighting game, a new fighting game comes out, I mean, you remember what Capcom did to Street Fighter 4, right? When Street Fighter 5 was coming out the next year, they played an entire goodbye Street Fighter 4 video at the at Capcom Cup, almost like telling people, stop playing that game. You know, like, companies generally abandon the previous game because they don't want the holdovers to keep playing it. They want them to move on to the new game. Arxis is putting rollback into Exerd. And now, and of course, they're putting rollback into uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, but that's a Bandai Namco decision. But, dude, Arxis putting rollback into Strive in the first place because of community polls 
And then now they're putting it in Exert. Like I said, I just think that this is so, like, I, it's so baffling to me. Like, it is so baffling to me that they decided to go and support an old game. And what the reason why this deserves an award is because it's so important. Because this is what fighting games are. Fighting games do not die. Arxis' first fighting game ever on the Super Nintendo has a scene today. Sailor Moon S has a scene. People play that at legit play that at tournaments. Fighting games never, never die. And it's one of the beautiful things about it. Super Turbo, MVC2, Third Strike, Tekken Tag, Tournament 1, you know, etc. These are, look at Fightcade. Look how many people are, so people have, there's a champion edition scene on Fightcade. A good fighting game is a good fighting game forever. Fighting games do not age. Fighting games do not age. And so Arxis acknowledging that, I mean, and it wasn't even just let's ro put rollback in our old 2D games where state, state, state saving is very easy. They're putting it into Exert, which means that Arxis probably has a lot of uh, ability to knowledge now. And in fact, yeah, it could be them trying to learn how to put it into Dragon Ball and Grand Blue, Grand Blue, Grand Blue, Grand Blue might be them using Exert as a way to test themselves on how well they can port uh, rollback netcode into stuff. That might be the reason, but regardless, it's happening and it's just amazing. It is absolutely amazing that Grand Blue, I mean, sorry, that Exert is getting rollback. And to me, to have Arxis do that and show support to the old game that could seriously take people away from buying Strive or that they're smart enough to realize that the people who want Exit Rollback probably aren't buying Strive anyway. <laughs> you know, like, they'll probably only get new sales you know, uh, from Exert this way. It's probably not going to hurt Strive. Like, the whole thing is really crazy. It's, it's, it's wild. I love it. And I'm so happy for the Exert scene. And I, I, I can't say enough good things about Arxis, honestly. I'm so happy for Arxis. And I'm so happy for... Uh, uh, I'm so, so happy that they are supporting the community the way that they are. Like, honestly, Arxis is, like, the heroes that we needed this whole entire time, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Zero features and no rematch on the Rumblefish 2 port. Ugh. See, that sucks, dude. That, that, that's, that's frustrating uh, for sure. Uh, what are you giving me, Exilian, here? What are you giving me here? <laughs> Oh, this is we plan to deliver new trailers and new information at the at the Grand Blue Fantasy versus Relink event on 121. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, let's not get our hopes up here. Let's not get our hopes up here. Um 
So for the New Year's resolutions here, so for the 2023 resolutions, um, these are obviously things that we want to do every year. I always look back at my old resolutions and I swear to God I don't do any of them. That's fine, whatever. <laughs> so I'm going to put them in the order that I need to prioritize these as much uh, as possible. So... Uh, My number three resolution here, and I, I don't know if this will ever happen, is to become a better Discord fighter. And uh, people are probably wondering what the hell this means. Uh, a lot of fighting games out there are Discord fighters. Um, King of Fighters 15, DNF Duel. These games are not games that you could just jump online, go on unranked, and play a bunch of matches. Uh... You have to seek matches. You have to go to discords and be like, anybody want to play games? Uh, anybody want... I sound different at one speed. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm bad at it. I hate discord. I never use discord. I'm a hermit. I don't like reaching out to people because I think everyone's annoyed by me. So I don't reach out to people. And so for games like DNF Duel and King of Fighters, which I should have played more of, I didn't play at all because I can't jump on ranked. And if I can't jump on ranked, I basically never play the game. The reason why is because, you know, ranked is nice because it's skill-based matchmaking, right? You can start off at the lower ranks and improve as you go. And I enjoy that process. Like playing Soul Calibur, for example, has been very difficult because when I was doing Soul Cal distancing, a lot of the people that I played were super good and I could never win. <laughs> and it's hard and it's frustrating and if it's hard. I don't learn as well that way. I learn better by seeing what works and uh, I gain information that way. And uh, when you play people who just destroy you very, very bad, <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. And so being a Discord fighter is tough because a lot of the people that you're going to that are going to want to play you are just like ridiculously good and there's really no way to skill-based matchmake your way through Discord fighters but it's kind of the wave of how it all works and um dude you know necromancy black that's not a bad idea <laughs> I might have to set that up in the Chenzor Dynasty for every game and create a uh, create like levels of matchmaking. <laughs> I'm gonna do that, Necromancy Black. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to do it, dude. I'm going to do it. <laughs> We're going to do it for every game, and I'm going to promote it. Uh... <laughs> do you ever come here to shitpost Necromancy Black? You're usually one of the one of the, 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 the people that I like hearing from a lot in the chat. So, um, But uh, honestly, uh, I think that's a great idea. I think we're going to do that. 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 So that's number three resolution. Very important number three resolution. Uh, number two resolution. 
this is what I want to do. I am going to make sure I main more than one character in Street Fighter VI. It's going to help already that different characters have different points. <laughs> so if you're learning one character, you don't decimate the points of your previous character. So that helps already. But I've had too much situations where I end up Stockholm syndroming myself into one character. And I do that all the time. So in Street Fighter V, I can play Lucia, but I can barely play anybody else. And the reason why I got so good at old games like CVS2 and, and, and such was because I used to random select all the time. And I played every character. So in uh, Street Fighter VI, I have, if Kami and Zangief turn out to be fun, I have every intention of maining those two and Kimberly. And I will cycle between them. And I want to make sure I cycle between characters. Because it is also, honestly, one of the best ways to get strong in a game. Uh, it is, you learn to appreciate what your character has when you play a character that doesn't have it. <laughs> You really start to learn how to appreciate. So a lot of the strengths that your character has, you don't recognize it because you're losing with that character and you feel like everything can be better. Then you play another character and you're like, oh my God. Like in Street Fighter 4, I played Cammy and then I switched to other characters and I never realized how broken Cammy's jumping roundhouse was. I never knew how broken Cammy's jumping roundhouse was. Her jumping roundhouse in Street Fighter 4 was stupid. Was ridiculous, dude. <laughs> and I never realized it until I played all these other characters and all of them had these stubby-ass jumping roundhouses. And I was like, what the heck? I never knew. So yeah, you actually learn to it. Like uh, K. John says, you learn to appreciate stuff more. I used to main Nagora Yuki, who doesn't have a dash. Learn how to move without dashing from that. Exactly. And it's an important thing to learn about different character. Learn different characters. So my number two resolution is making sure. Uh, Uh, is to make sure uh, that um, I make sure I take the time to learn more than one character. And then, of course, my number one resolution, nothing to do with fighting games, but maybe does have to do with fighting games, uh, but basically is um, take care of myself, man. <laughs> I've been telling you, like, this year I've been in a fog and I've just been having difficulties. I've been ADHDing myself throughout the year. I've been missing all sorts of stuff. And I just haven't been doing a lot and not making a lot of strives to actually improve my life in a lot of ways. And uh, I'm wor hopefully working towards it. I'm so close to finally getting ADHD meds. And I'll tell you this, I told this story, uh, I think, to somebody else. No, I told it on chat yesterday. Um, I got ADHD meds uh, a while ago. Uh, I actually got some ADHD meds a long time ago from my original psychiatrist. And he was like, he didn't officially diagnose me with it. He was like, I was just kind of insistent on trying it out. So he was like, all right. Well, I'll prescribe some for you. So I tried it for a little bit. He put me on a very small dose. 
And so I was like, I think it's helping me. I'm not sure if it's placebo or not. And he's like, all right, then we'll take you off of it and let's see how you go. So I took it, took myself off of it and I stopped taking it. And then, uh, I mean, this part sucks, but unfortunately my psychiatrist passed away. Uh, very old gentleman. He was like 80 years old and such. Uh, so, you know, I was 80, like late 80s or something like that. But he passed away. So uh, basically, I didn't have a chance to get a new psychiatrist. And now the original psychiatrist that was able to prescribe me the ADHD meds, I didn't have anymore. So I've been struggling to try to find a way to get back on ADHD meds. But I still had some left over from the first time he prescribed me ADHD meds. And so at one point in time this year, I actually did take my small dose again just to see what would happen. And I shit you not, whenever I took those ADHD meds, I was so much better at anti-airing in fighting games. <laughs> I was so much better at anti-airing in fighting games. Oh no, I know it works. They hadn't expired yet. They hadn't expired yet. I had them uh, late last year, late last year. So, uh, no, seriously, they've talked about this, about how ADHD meds might be considered banned at some esports and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm juicing, dude. <laughs> no, seriously, like, because whenever I play fighting games, my hyper-focus gets stuck on the footsie game, I can't anti-air to save my life. But, like, during some of that Lucia run that I had earlier this year, where I got all the way basically the super diamond i was i was choosing <laughs> i was actually taking some adhd meds at those times and i swear to god it made me play better because my brain actually works uh to be honest with you um like it's no joke man adhd meds are real and it, you can't explain it and so you know you can't go to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist you can't go see one person to get your ADHD meds. You have to go to one person to diagnose you with it and then see another person to actually prescribe it to you. I have an appointment to see the person who can diagnose it at the end of this month. And like I said, I've been trying to do this for over a year now. But U.S. healthcare sucks. I mean, I... I... I filed for Obamacare for, for the affordable, for, for covered California December last year. I didn't get to see a doctor until November this year, last year. So literally from December to November is how long it took for me to finally be able to see a doctor because of U.S. healthcare shenanigans. It's just, it's awful. And so, but I finally got it all straightened out. I was able to see the doctor. And so now I'm kind of on this path to do a bunch of things to take care of myself. Uh, and again, you know, obviously I've gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. I lost a lot of weight right before the pandemic and I gained it all back. Yeah, I want to lose that weight, but that is not the important thing to me right now. The important thing right now is to take care of my, my mental state. Because this last year has been absolutely brutal for me. Has just absolutely been the worst. And talking to some friends too. I mean, part of being a better Discord fighter 
uh, keep them in the original container when traveling with them. Lottery schedule meaning a malicious law enforcer can get a serious criminal charge if they're in anything other than the original prescription container. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that cone. I will remember that for sure. I will for sure remember to do that. But like I said, I'm just trying to fix my mental state right now. And one of the things that, you know, I talked about on Twitter, uh, this past couple of years, I'm not lonely. I wouldn't say I'm lonely. I exist very well by myself. In fact, I, I, I feel like I'm so annoying that nobody could put up with being around me for too long periods of a time. So I actually function really well by myself. So I'm not lonely, but I definitely feel very lone, alone in that I do not, and you probably saw this in my Twitter uh, that I tweeted right after New Year's, I don't have a support group. Like, Olaf is probably the closest thing I have to having someone for support. But outside of that, like, I don't... The best way to put it is I don't have somebody out there who has a vested interest to root for me. (laughs) And again, right, like uh, Lakisa says in the chat, you know, please realize you're very much loved in the community and trust me. I appreciate it so much and I love it. And every time at an FGC event, I feel it and I love the support and everything like that. But there is something to be said about having that person that is there that you can put your head on their shoulders and such. And it's difficult because obviously I'm super close with my brother. My brother is my best friend, right? I mean, my, me and my brother are so close with each other. You know, when we were kids, we dreaded becoming adults and having to move apart from each other and stuff like that, you know? And it's cool because we text each other all the time or whatever like that. Problem is, my brother is also the kind of person that when you tell him you're depressed, he's like, well, why can't you just be happy? <laughs> Same thing with my dad. He's got it from my dad. My dad and my brother are that kind of mentality. My brother will never actually say that to me now because I've educated him on it. I have educated him on why that is not what you say. But he will never have the kind of understanding about my problems that I feel like I need from that kind of support, you know? Uh, situation. My dad is that way too. My mom totally understands, but because my mom is depressed and more depressed than I am, I have to spend most of my time comforting her. And, you know, uh, it's, I don't have, I used to have a very close group of friends and uh, due to falling out, I don't have that close group of friends anymore. And I have had so many people tell me, you can reach out to me, James, and some of them in the chat, some people in the chat here, you know who you are, are like my best friends for life. And they have offered me to reach out to them uh, all the time, but I am very bad at that. I'm very bad at that. And I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I annoy everybody. I feel like everybody else has got their own shit to deal with. Uh, etc., etc. Right. And yeah, Omniblast, the world, 
uh, needs more mental health awareness, which is why I tweet about it all the time. And when I tweet about it, the thing that always strikes me is how many people are like, I'm so glad you talked about this because I have the same problem. That is always the number one response you get out of those kind of things. And it's really, really important for people to talk about it because we don't talk about it enough, right? And so mental health is such an important thing. And that's why I talk about it. And that's why I'm not embarrassed about it. It's why I'm not actually fishing for sympathy like people accuse me of when I talk about these things. I talk about it because I want people to see that it is a normal thing. That is a normal, normal thing, right? So, yeah, no, dude, uh, Converse, Converse, uh, one of the greatest lines, legally blonde, right? You know, exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make people happy. Happy people don't go killing their husbands. You know, active is absolutely a way to do it. So there's a lot of activeness that I want to be able to do. But at the same time, another one of my good friends that I've talked to, you know, has told me to try my best to reach out to people more and actually be more social and hang out with them when I explain to her my issues of being alone but not lonely and so i'm trying to i'm trying to arrange more meeting times with people Uh, i met up with ultra david just for a fun dinner once um just recently because i told him that i needed to hang out with people more and stuff so a lot of that uh actually uh i I need to i don't get panic attacks uh i can get panic attacks i've gotten panic attacks before i don't get panic attacks as much Uh, I just get really, the phrase that I use the most is I'm tired. Like dealing with this basement shit right now, dealing with, you know, small leaks in my home from the rains that have been coming around recently, you know, trying to deal with, you know, this health insurance stuff, doing all these things. I'm just like tired, you know, (laughs) I wish someone was around to help me clean out my cat's litter box once in a while, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. (laughs) I just, I just, uh, I just, I, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of, uh, I had a litter robot actually wrapped her. It broke, unfortunately. And it was really hard to maintain that thing too. Uh, honestly, it was actually hard to maintain that thing. Uh, I can replace the litter robot pretty easily. I just have to get a new board and the boards are pretty cheap. Uh, but I just didn't bother because I was too lazy and probably ADHD'd my way into not doing it. So <laughs> if I could make the cats clean their own, oh, hell yeah, I would do that. For sure. So, um, but yeah, uh, uh, you are not your brain. It's about treating your brain like a muscle instead of your brain dictate what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously I've lived with that philosophy for a long time because I, I treat my brain as any other organ in my body. Because if you have a kidney problem, you go and try to fix the kidney. You take meds. If you have, you know, a heart murmur, you'll go and try to find out what to fix that. The brain is the most complicated organ in your body. And so it's the easiestly the most faulty. And so you have to understand that the brain is there to sabotage you. 
And that has definitely helped. That philosophy has definitely helped me a lot. And in fact, diagnosing myself with ADHD has actually been a huge boon because before when I didn't reply to emails or when I missed something, I used to just absolutely beat myself the hell up. Like when I missed the deadline for Texas Showdown uh, this past year, I was talking to Javi and I was like, I missed it. Is it too late? And he's like, let me talk to the staff. And they talk to the staff and they're like, we're going to adhere to the uh, deadline because it's fair. So sorry. And I was like, dude, totally fine. Totally fine. And I had that reaction because I know why it happened now. I know why it happened. Whereas in the past years, I'd have been like, what's wrong with me? God, I can't believe I missed. (sighs) You know, like that would have happened. But now I'm just like, goddamn, fuck, stupid ADHD gotta fix this and like having uh having that knowledge helps a lot <laughs> actually helps a lot a lot a lot a lot so yeah and yeah honestly i'm an introvert i run out of energy when i hang out with people i just want to be by myself after a while i need to recharge the introvert battery uh but i mean I, still having that kind of support would be nice so you know obviously i'm always doing all this gaming stuff and at my age, it's really hard to find a partner who understands the shit that I'm doing, you know, uh, that's around my age, <laughs> who doesn't see video games as the devil, because that's just what people my age were taught, right? And uh, But I probably am going to try to work a little harder, maybe to, you know, maybe find somebody maybe find a girlfriend or something like that, honestly. Honestly, to be honest, I haven't tried. You know, I've been single for quite some time now, and it's honestly because I just haven't tried. I just don't try. I don't care enough to try. You know, I just, I, I, again, that's a little bit part of the, I don't think anybody is insane or dumb enough to (laughs) actually want to be with somebody like me. (laughs) Like, nobody out there is stupid enough to want to be with someone like me. But, you know, I got to change that thinking, basically. So I need to to fix that, uh, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Dude, being in Street Fighter VI is like the greatest way to justify the shit that I do. Oh, man. Let me tell you, dude. Let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, Gizmo, that's what everybody's been telling me. (laughs) Chase excellent, not women, and the women will come. It's not true, man. It's not true. They're nowhere to be found. (laughs) Oh, man. So funny. Uh, but, um, yeah, dude, being at my age, you get shit for being, uh, uh, you get shit for being into games, 100%. I, I've often told the story that I went on a blind date one time, you know, from an online dating site, and I went there, and she's like, what do you do? And I was like, I play video games, and this was, like, at the height of the Grand Theft Auto, like, hot coffee shit, you know, and, like, 
you know, with Jack Thompson or whatever and all his name. And that was like the height of that point. And I was like, I play video games. And like, you could literally see the blood just like drain and like all the interest just disappeared. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah, it is a long time ago. It's different now for younger people, which is why my last girlfriend was like 14 years younger than I was. <laughs> okay? And that didn't work out very well because very different stages in life, very different goals. Um, that's the thing, right? So I need to find somebody, you know, closer to my age who does like games and stuff. So we'll see we'll we'll see what happens we'll see what happens uh but yeah um had a nice chat immediately devolved into god i'm sorry i just can't i'm just your mom's basement with you and with cheetos see it's like the worst dude it's like the worst man uh man but in any case yeah there's a lot of things i need to do to take care of myself and i i should add to that you know specifically mentally like mentally, I need to take care of myself, honestly. I mean, that's how I felt too, Gizmo. Uh, when that girl had the blood rush out from her face, I was like, well, this wasn't worth trying. So we just had a dinner and that was the end of it. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. So <laughs> it's very tough. There's, it's very, very tough. So <laughs> ultra dating. <laughs> You want me to do a reality show where I, oh my God, will do the Bachelor kind of dating reality show with me? Oh my God, no, no, no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't even need someone who necessarily is into gaming. I just need someone who doesn't think it's the devil and like appreciates it and understands. What you need to do is just find someone who respects other people having hobbies, is really what it is. Like, I need to find someone who has a hobby. Like, if she doesn't have a hobby, I'm scared, right? Like, I I went I went on a date with somebody one time, and I asked literally, like, what do you do? And she was like, um, not much. I was like, what do you do when you get home from work? Uh, I go to sleep sometimes. I, you know, watch some TV. What do you watch? Uh, just like these, you know, Chinese soap operas. I was like, oh gosh. Okay. Uh, what do you, uh, what's your favorite music? Okay. Let's find the music. I don't really listen to music. And I was just like, oh boy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to work, man. Let me tell you. So let me tell you, man, let me tell you. Uh, I wouldn't mind being a father one day, uh, although it scares me listening to all my friends and my brother talk about fatherhood, but I would like to be a father one day. So that is one of the scary things too, because if I do find someone my age, it'll be very hard to have kids at that age, dude. It's, it's, it'll be very, very difficult. So yeah, don't listen to music is a big one, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, dating sucks, Mockadixel. Because the worst thing about it, too, is my brother met his wife through eHarmony, right? Because online dating worked way back then. Online dating doesn't work anymore because now it's just there's too many fish in the sea. When you go into the bar, you're not fighting the other 10 single dudes in there. You're fighting the other 100,000 dudes who send her the message, dude. <laughs> oh, 
man. Adoption is definitely an option. Adoption would definitely be on the table depending on who I'm with. So, so, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like I just need to, I just need to get out, I, not to get out there for dating purposes, but I just need to get back socially and seeing people again and and hanging out with people again and trying to arrange time to meet up with people the hardest thing about it is that conflicts with streaming very much but that's again where the adhd might help i'm time blind if i have plans to meet up with somebody for lunch that's it that's the end of the day like if i have plans to meet up for someone for there's like 12 hours there's like 16 hours in a day to do shit but like whenever i make plans with one thing like i can't like that's the end because i'm like shit that takes up the whole day that's like takes up the whole day like honestly like it's it's uh it's uh being time blind sucks and that's part of the adhd so if i can also solve that part too that'll that'll help a lot so uh, that'll definitely be uh, helpful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, join a club. I'm I'm so I'm scared of clubs for different reasons, but I mean, we'll I'll get into that some other day. So uh, I have tried Bumble before, actually. Um, Tubo was the one that tried to get me to go on Bumble and I'm terrible with that kind of stuff. I am terrible at that kind of stuff because like I'll swipe and then I'll get no responses and then I'm depressed. <laughs> Why is nobody, what? Okay, should I change my profile? No, it's because the profiles are, oh my God, I need to fix this. Oh shoot, I should be, oh God, I should do, ah, you know, that's basically what happens to me. So uh, it's, it's, it's not a good look. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So then I have a friend whose boyfriend, you know, her and her boyfriend are like close and they're moving in with each other now and everything like that. And uh, the boyfriend was like, yeah, this like the girl, she's wonderful and everything. And the boyfriend was like, yeah, this is the first girl I've ever met on a dating app. That's the first date I ever tried. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> you dude <laughs> oh my <man>, god <laughs> oh jesus christ dude <sighs> but yeah <laughs> basically take care of myself mentally is the way to 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 do to, to close out and that's that's my main resolution and you know like i said i know that the adhd meds are not a silver bullet but I have talked to a friend of mine whose kid started ADHD meds and he said that it's like night and day that his kid is just like, it just changed everything. And so, you know, uh, and everybody who has ADHD, they can't explain it. Uh, it can't, and yeah, and you actually don't get addicted to this either. I've heard. So, uh, I think, uh, I, 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 <laughs> It's like that scene from Walk Hard where they where he, they introduce Dewey Cox to the we, to weed and he's like, "Yeah, I think I kind of want that. It makes you feel great and it's not addicting at all. You don't want any of this." Uh I, I think I do. I think I want. <laughs> like that's 
where I kind of am with ADHD meds at this point in time. So, oh, man. Yeah, it depends. I think the one that I took was Adderall, now that I think about it. I think the one that I took was a generic for Adderall. So I definitely want to try I want to try it out. And like I said, when I would take the half a pill, I really did feel like it was better. There were things that I would put off, like I would have something on a table. Like, just to give you an example of how bad it is when you have ADHD, obviously, like, click, cleaning your cat's litter box is like, you know... It's easy thing to put off because it's gross because your cats are disgusting. Cats are disgusting creatures, right? But like I was talking to my brother and one of our friends during lunch one time. And the example that I gave is whenever I get paychecks in the mail, I do not deposit them even though I can deposit them on my phone. They sit there and I put them on my desks I put them on top of my shoes. I move them to where I eat. I do all this stuff. I put in so much work putting that stuff to a place that would make me do it and I would never do it. And this is like depositing a check. Like that's all good. There's no reason not to do that. And I will not do that. I will not deposit the check. And I will do it at the bank. Yes, uh, Papi Chulo. I will actually, me Papi Chulo, I will actually do it at the che- at the bank because you've driven out and that is the purpose. But when you're at home, this is why I can never work from home, by the way. When you're at home, it's hard to be like, I must take care of this task. But as long as I drive out and bring the check with me and the reason I drove out is to take care of this, I'm better at that. So, I again, the procrastination on ADHD is real. It's not laziness. It's not laziness. It is just an absolute, they call it executive dysfunction if you haven't heard of that before. And it is just the inability to do something. And the times that I was on my ADHD meds, I would do things like see the paycheck on my table. And I'd be like, huh, let me just deposit that right now. And like, without even like logically, like there's no logic to it. There's no point in which I was like, you know, ah, I should do it. I just look at it and I'm like, you know, let me just deposit this right now. And it's weird. And when you're when you have ADHD, you just look at it and you're like, (sighs) and then you go lie down on the couch and then the cat comes and sleeps on you. And that's the end of it, dude. (laughs) Yeah. And again, right, Balbury, like. This is a thing that happens to everybody. This is a thing that happens to everybody. So again, that's just why I talk about it so openly. Like we, it's not, ADHD is the worst way to describe it because it's disorder, right? It's not a disorder. It's like Elon was saying, your brain is just another organ in your body. It's fucked up. Your brain is fucked up. It's not getting the right chemicals that it needs. And you know, if you take meds for your heart, you take meds for your liver, you take meds for your kidney, you take meds for your blood pressure. God damn it. I'm going to take meds for my brain, dude. (laughs) I do not vapor smoke. My biggest vice is probably soda. Uh, the amount of soda that I drink 
probably hurts my dopamine levels. The caffeine probably hurts me a lot as well. Uh, I would not be surprised if soda was one of the leading causes of my of a lot of my personality disorders. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. But honestly, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't smoke weed. I don't vape. Like, soda is, like, the only vice that I have, is honestly. Sugar and carbs. You're not taking away my noodles and rice, man. I've already had to cut down on my cheese. I had to cut down on my cheese. And that has been painful, okay? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I can't do LaCroix, dude. I can't do LaCroix. LaCroix is gross. <laughs> That's good. Cheese is bad for cholesterol. Exilion. Cheese is bad for cholesterol. And therein lies the issue. Therein lies the issue is the cholesterol. So. I got Nathan to lose two pounds. If only I had an owner that could force me into eating less food. <laughs> Uh, zero calorie noodles? I have never heard of Neil Cal... Dang, Nathan, be careful. That's Optimus Prime's axe you're rubbing your face on. He's gonna chop you in half. Uh, zero calorie noodles? Do they actually... Like, I've had gluten-free noodles and I couldn't eat those. But zero calorie noodles, are they actually, like, decent? Huh. Okay. I'll take a look. My ex tried to get me on tea so bad. My ex has tried. She was a massive tea drinker. And she tried to get me to drink all sorts of teas. And I couldn't do it unless it had uh, sweet milk and boba in it. <laughs> I will drink boba tea till the cows come home. <laughs> oh, I've tried a bunch of different teas. I've tried a bunch of different teas. So, uh... But yeah, she she used to drink all sorts of teas. So, cognac or yam starch? What the hell? This sounds very weird, but I will definitely take a look at this. Miracle noodle. Mir Whoa, this stuff looks weird. Huh. Okay, I'll definitely take a look into that. So, hey Nathan. Hey Nathan. Hey Nathan. Do they actually taste kind of like noodles? That's crazy. I got to try it. I got to try it. See how they taste. Like if you put a bunch of spaghetti sauce on it, how does it taste still? <laughs> yeah, that's honestly too. I need to exercise more, but oh God, I need to figure out how to do that. So any case, any case, stream's been going on long enough, three and a half hours here, wasn't expecting this stream, I was afraid the stream was going to run too short with nobody else giving their resolutions but me, but there it is, so, hi, hi, so, uh, yep, yeah, but uh, again, thank you guys for watching, let's make 2023 a better year for everybody, again, now, it is called It Was Tuesday. That is now the name of my podcast out there. So hope you guys are having a great, uh, had a great holidays. I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves and, 
you know, doing everything you guys can. Let's keep each other, let's keep each other's honest and let's make 2023 a good year. And thank you guys for your support and for continue watching and everything. So, uh, yeah, again, take care, everybody. Have a good night. And uh, remember, the day this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs>